the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave today. We've got a whole full agenda of items to talk about. Sitting next to me is sidekick Chris Corbett, uh, the uh, Ed McMahon to this poor imitation of a Johnny Carson. (laughs) I appreciate that. You resemble that remark, don't you? Yes. Chris, you know what I want to talk to you first about is there's an article in The Atlantic. Now, just bear in mind, this is one of those left-leaning publications. Unfortunately, most of them are. And it talks about Sandra Day O'Connor, a former justice on the U.S. Supreme Court, and how she, according to the article, struggled uh, with being the deciding vote in a famous case that upheld affirmative action. Now, remember what affirmative action is and remember what affirmative action is supposed to be. Those are two different things, by the way. Affirmative action is large, significant adjustments to the applications in, amongst other contexts, admissions for minority students. So, in effect, it becomes dispositive, meaning, in effect, if you're a minority with a certain score profile, you're overwhelmingly likely to get in, while the same score profile overwhelmingly likely would mean that a white person would not get in. Now, notice my language, overwhelmingly likely in both circumstances. Why do I say that? Because the leftists will lie to you. Now, we know that as a general proposition, the leftists will lie to you. But what they'll also lie to you in regards to admissions to universities, to graduate school, to medical school, to law school, is they will say, look, the standards are the same. We let in minorities with these scores and we let in non-minorities with these scores. But the difference is, Chris, they let in one or two essentially token non-minorities with those scores and they let in almost all minorities with those scores. Ouch. Yeah. And it gets worse because, so you say, listen, this is, again, affirmative action in practice. We'll talk in a moment about what affirmative action is supposed to be. <laughs> right on. Right? But that ain't it. And in practice, it's admissions based on race. And so what's the problem with that? The problem is at least twofold. First of all, we claim to have a meritocracy. This is what all this uproar right now is about at the universities where these overprivileged rich folks from California have bought their way into universities. And the the onslaught of attacks that have come as a function of that are 100% justified. Justified. It is disgusting that these universities, or at least 
elements therein have sold spots in lieu of following merit, meritocracy-based ideas. You should get into a university if you're qualified to get into a university. That should be the determinant. Well, I, you know, it's real hard for us, Rob, to figure out what qualifications are, you see, because, you know, these tests are not precise. You know who says that, Chris? Who says it? Who says a, it? A bunch of academics who every year are giving tests to their students. And and you say they're they're lying to us, Rob? Well, surprise, surprise. It, it, Crack open that, that, that fortune cookie. You know what it's going to say inside? It's going to say, they're lying. They're I, uh, lying, baby. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, she struggled with making that decision because she's trying to make the Constitution say something it doesn't say. Exactly. And uh, exactly, I was, I was fortunate enough to um, attend a uh, the uh, U.S. Marshals Museum opening at Fort Smith. Right. Justice Scalia came and spoke. Right. And uh, a student, uh, you could tell that she was of the persuasion, the left persuasion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She asked a question of Justice Scalia. I said, "How hard is it for you to?" interpret the constitution the gravity the constitution the gravity of your job how do you do it right and then justice scalia calmly said it's easy it the constitution is what it says i do what the words say it means what it says well on exactly that point let me share you this from the end of the article in the michigan case that's the affirmative action case in which sandra day o'connor was a swing vote to uphold it uh, she says, the article says, O'Connor registered her ambivalence about racial preferences by suggesting a time limit. In her opinion, for the court, she wrote, quote, we expect that 25 years from now, the use of racial preferences will no longer be necessary. End quote. Still reading from the article. Not quite 14 years later, she told me, this is the author of this article in the Atlantic, quote, that may have been a misjudgment. End quote. Wow. Really? 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 So the built-in institutional bias may go on forever. Forever. That's amazing. And and I started to tell you, Chris, what some of the overwhelming problems with this race-based admissions programs. And here's the problem. You let people in, not based on merit, but based on race. And sure enough, it's a lot harder for them to succeed. Meaning, there are plenty of minorities who, are, who have all the merit. There, there's not less merit amongst minorities than there are uh, amongst white people. No, sir. No, sir. But all the schools are vying for those candidates. So what do you do when you're a little bit lower on the, on the, on the rankings and you're a university? And you say, well, I want to get those candidates. Well, but the other school took them because they won. And the other school wants them, so they took them. Well, then you kind of got to weaken up those standards a little bit when you when you start going down that list, don't you? Yeah. Right? Well, and, guess, what? and guess what happens? And guess what happens? Those students at the lower level get admitted based solely or almost entirely on their race, and then they don't perform as well. Right. And that's who does that harm? It, har- it harms the... It harms the student because the student right. flunks out or the student doesn't get to pass the bar exam. We've talked a thousand times on this show, and I've talked with you, Chris, how my evaluation of large groups of students, law students across this country, locally, whatever it may be. And guess what? 
because of race-based admissions programs, you have a large difference in bar passage from whites to non-whites. It is not. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And it is not. It is not because there are difference in abilities. Right. And it's not based on the race. An well, underqualified student right, exactly. was let in. That's right. And so he's sitting in a pool of students with a different scholastic profile and is unable to to catch up. And so he would do much better if he went to a school of students, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, all of them that look like his academic profile. It's got nothing to do with race. But if you start cherry picking based on race, guess who you're hurting? Those people who you're not telling. You're not telling, hey, your chances of passing the bar exam are much lower. And it even goes farther than that, uh, Rob. It even goes far. I think it hurts society at large. Well, We th- want the smartest people in well, these qualified positions. Th- th- that's exactly right, Chris. And, and moreover, these students could be highly successful if they were put in with uh, colleagues, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, all of them, of similar profiles so that when they go to that school – they're taught at their at that level. That's right. You know, think about this. You, do you, do you take the uh, the ten um, um, year old and have him run or play uh, football with the pros? No, he'll get creamed, right? Yeah. But if he pays plays in the Pee Wee League, he'll do okay. That's right. And you then and to play. take your point even further than that, is that could this lead down to a breakdown of society potentially? I th- yeah. I think you could yeah. make that argument. Well, you raise you raise a good point because. Now we're pitching people against each other, right? And and it's not a good idea. And here you see it. This is the quote that I just read about uh, the uh, uh, what O'Connor said. O'Connor now says, "Oh well, you know, maybe it goes on forever. Maybe it goes on forever." The whole premise behind affirmative action was to clean up the disparities, disparities. that had existed. That's right. Well, when you clean something up, it's supposed to be clean. Like, it just doesn't go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Wait, and ever and ever. A little more and ever. And they would argue that, well, it's not totally based on race alone. It's just one factor of many factors they look at. Yeah, we call that that holistic admissions. The problem is how we can run the regression analysis. All of a sudden, the left doesn't understand basic math. What are you talking about? Are you talking about facts? Yeah, facts. Facts. We're not going to let facts get in the way. No, no, it's holistic. It's touchy-feely, right? It's let's grab let's grab that tree and hug it and eat some granola and then we'll get some we'll get some waves from from outer space and I'll hug a crystal and 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 I'll smoke some of my newly legalized marijuana and then I will be able to to divine and opine who is the right person to be admitted. Rob, we can't let facts get in the way. You know, and that's a, well, we can't use well, we can't use the SATs or the LSATs or the GREs. Those tests, we, we don't think tests are accurate. Wait, are you a professor? Oh, yeah, I'm a professor. I'm telling you, those <laughs> tests are not accurate. Do you give an exam in your in your class? Oh, well, I do that, sure. Well, why is that exam accurate? Well, because I wrote it. Because I wrote it. That's a fantastic point. So what are you saying, that the, the, the LSAT is a good predictor of what, success yeah. in well, law school? We can correlate. A- we can correlate the success in law school and after law school with the LSAT. Is it the only predictor? Of course not. Does it tell you 75% of the likelihood? No. No. Nobody says it does. But here's the thing that the left constantly fails to address. Oh, you want to take out 
this objective metric, what are you going to replace it with? You know what? Scratch and sniff. They replace it with scratch and sniff. They They pick up the application, they scratch the paper, and if they smell roses, you get in. And if they smell Shinola, you ain't getting in. That's it. Scratch and sniff admissions. The scratch and sniff. We could add that as a factor. That's right. That's right. Part of the holistic analysis. Scratch and sniff. Well, that's what's going on. You know, you read some of these articles about this awful, uh, disgusting buy-offs by these rich, by the way, leftists. I I guarantee you, not a one of them, not a one of them was a conservative. Right. What, what's her name? Uh, uh, Macy, uh, Macy's wife, Bill Macy's uh, actress wife. I, do you remember her name, Zach? I don't remember. Anyway, uh. she was one. She, for some reason, they keep showing her. I, I kind of feel bad for her. In the I sense do, too. She, she's yeah. the face of it. She's the face of it for some I know reason. I you're talking about. Right. Um, yeah, she was on the uh, Desperate Housewives show, yes. whatever that was called. Um, and and uh, so uh, she's one. And then the other one from the uh, Full House uh, right. uh, um, revamp. Uh, she's the other face of it. These folks, tell me these people are conservative. Oh my Nonsense. Goodness, no. So the leftists, well, look. And they're but, lying to you. You even say that, oh, they got in because oh, of their grades. Oh, the grades. Or they were on these these sports teams. Except, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think we should be, be considering sports as well, by the way. Why is sports a factor? The only argument I can think for sports being a factor is if someone does sports – then it takes up a lot of time. So maybe we, we say, well, if you want to balance that, because I equally would say, look, if the kid was had to w- grew up in a poor household, single mother, whatever the, the storyline may be, and he had to work, well, that impacts grades too, and it reflects the fact that the, the student may have a greater potential because he was pulled away partially from the academic issues. So I think you can make that argument about sports, about poverty, about various things, and I think it might be legitimate to consider that. But I think we overweigh sports as well. I don't Yeah, that's right. There's, that argument goes far into, you know, yeah. are we an educational institution or are we a, a sports Right, exactly. Are we sports team? What yeah. are we? Right. You know, let, let's it think comes about down to that. money. Exactly, exactly. Let's think about that. We're going to go to break and we'll come back. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am filling in for Dave. I am Robert Steinbuck, and I'm with my co-host, Chris Corbett. Chris, we're talking about admissions based on race, and we're talking about affirmative action. And notice that I distinguish those two things. Here's what affirmative action is supposed to be. Affirmative action is supposed to be where you have minority applicants who, as a group, in general, not everyone, but in general, have suffered economically, socially, as a consequence of the history of this nation. And so when you have two candidates apply, and one is a minority and one is a non-minority, uh, the notion of affirmative action is we, we put our thumb slightly on the scale if those two candidates are, are identical otherwise and say, look, let's try to factor in the indeterminacy. Yes, I'm for using grades. Yes, I'm for using SAT exams. But I'm not saying that that's the be-all and end-all. It doesn't tell you 100% of everything. Of course, with human behavior, you can never predict 100%. So the notion of affirmative action simply is, if you get two identical candidates and one's a minority, put that in your mind. Consider that. And if they're equal... 
you put your thumb a little bit on the scale to say, you know what, let's give a slight bump up because statistically there is a good chance that minority has either suffered socially or economically or some other way as a function of the negative history that is 100% true, that negative history, that we've had this negative history. Right. And if you you strip all of that away, you strip all of the gray area away, and if they're completely equal, and then you're making your, your your choice based on race, how's that not? Well, but the notion is that at that point, that's a fair balance. That right on that razor's ed, edge, that's a fair balance. You say, look, we there's so many unknowns in this world that we're going to do that. So race is not a majority of this. There it is. It's a slight. There it is. <laughs> Every once in a while, Chris Corbett finds that golden nugget <laughs> hidden in the woods, and this is just another example thereof. And the justices struggled with it as that's right. their, their five to four decision. That's exactly right. But instead, let me tell you what the leftists do. They put the minorities in one pile, they put the non-minorities in another pile, and effectively, that's, that. by the way, that's not literally, they do that, I, I say this kind of as a, as a, as a description conceptually. And they apply different standards. Is, so, that, is that what we want, though, going of forward? Of course not. Do we want not. something based on race right, and that's or based on sex? Affirmative, uh, you're right. It's not only race, by the way. But, and that's the problem. Affirmative action has been perverted. Affirmative action has become race-based or sex-based, less so in the latter, admissions. It has never been designed to do that. Well, I think there's a lawsuit against uh, Harvard, I think that's it is. Right. That, that's, that's right. That's basically uh, a group of minor, or Asians, Asians are suing because they're not being let in because of race. That's right. Because it's an interesting, it's a very interesting case. Hey, guess what happens when you let one group in um, with advantages not based on merit? Someone else ain't getting in. That's exactly it's right. It's called math, baby. And if there's 100 seats and you take away five of them, there are five fewer seats. It's that simple. If you take away 10 of them, there are 10 fewer seats. If you take away 20, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? Asians outperform every other group on these numbers. <laughs> I think it's a fact. I think they've. That's called math. Right. That doesn't help me. You'd be oh, we're wrong. You grew up with white privilege, you see. Well, talk about my white privilege when my father, you know, lived literally under Nazi occupation. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. White privilege in my in my blue collar neighborhood that I grew in. White privilege. That's what I grew up. White privilege. They scream at me. So, well, you couldn't understand. Well, guess what? The Asians didn't grow up with white privilege. Oh, well, maybe it's Asian privilege. What was that movie? Rich Asian kids or something like that? I didn't see it. It's supposed to be funny. Oh, yeah, Asian, but everybody's got a privilege, apparently. It's too much. So this lawsuit, this lawsuit, the, 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 the Asian students have much higher scores. We're not talking about the minorities. We're, talk, we're talking about everyone. They got higher scores than minorities. They got higher scores than whites. They break it down. That's all the exactly groups. right. Than everybody. Than everybody. Than everybody. And guess what? By coincidence, they get in. Somehow, roughly equivalent to their percentage in the population. Why? Why can't that group overperform? Explain that to me, Chris. I want you to think about this because in, in, in a few seconds, we're going to go to break. And I want you and the audience to think about this. Why are we presuming that every group 
performs in every context identically. It's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. But that's but th- this is see left the left doesn't like facts. Why facts? I'm going to give you some facts and some commercials now. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We are talking right now about academic institutions. We're talking about the scandal that has gone on where these overprivileged leftists bought their way into mediocre universities, no less, for their entitled children. We're talking about how race-based admissions is a distortion, a perversion that harms those it is intended to help largely. Uh, And then I was moving on, and Chris, I told you before the break, I want to talk to you about this racist notion of white privilege. It's, it's, it's a racist notion. They tell you, you can't know, you can't say, you can't do because you're white. And if you're white, you're privileged. Let's talk about the privilege that I grew up with. Let's talk about the fact my parents are immigrants to this country. Legal, by the way. We might be talking about some illegal immigration later. They were legal immigrants. And they came to this country with $50 in their pockets. My father lived under Nazi occupation and then luckily escaped that and lived under Stalinist rule in the Soviet Union. After World War II, I've told this story many times on Dave's show, after World War II, uh, he and his family, uh, those that survived, uh, fled, immediate family, fled to Germany of all places because as he tells it, that's where the Americans were. Uh, He then went on uh, to Israel Uh, shortly before it was a state uh, recognized by the UN. And then later on, he and my mother met, and then they came to the States. With their bags of money and silver spoons? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Bags of money and silver spoons. But this is what's wrong with the leftists. They will paint white people as evil. It's really disgusting. I heard someone, a very nice person, Recently say, oh, well, that was, that was a bunch of old white men. I said, well, excuse me, I'm an old white man. <laughs> I'm an old white man. What's wrong with, all- oh, well, and then they, they, you should have seen, this person should have been like in the Tour de France. They were backpedaling so quickly. I've never seen such a, such a move. Uh, I mean, that, what, that was like Lance Armstrong in reverse. <laughs> That's how quickly they were backpedaling. Oh, well, what, what, what I meant by that. Let me tell you what you meant by that. You've been indoctrinated by a bunch of leftists who have actually taught you that white, right, racism against whites is permissible. Well, and they would feel that, that it's okay to say that. That's it? And oh, no one's ever checked them on nobody it. Nobody checks them on it. You know what they they need a check like you get in hockey. That's the kind of check that they need. Right into <laughs> that, the walls. That would be nice. Right into the walls is what they need on it. But this is it. They, and I have literally been told. I have literally been told. Oh well, there's no such thing as racism against white people because that's not what the word means. Because this is the leftist redefinition of language. You take meaning out of words. Well, it can't exist because we told you there's no word for it. There's no word for that. It don't exist. Well, these are smart people, Rob. They're smart. Yeah, yeah. But they've got sure. an agenda. Of course, they, that's all they have. Is and the they're agenda. lying about their agenda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's all they have. Well, and and then it rolls into this very concept that you raised during the break, Chris. Right, and this concept is the genetic lottery. I didn't win a lottery. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> 
there was no lot. And then, oh, well, then, then maybe your parents won the, my parents won the lottery. Their genes mixed with each other. Right, right. we've got to equal the playing field. You won a genetic lottery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You, so there's, you know, this, this short story written by this uh, famous author, Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, and the short story is called Harrison Bergeron. And you can look it up online. Harrison Bergeron. It's available online. It's a very short story, and it's about this guy who grows up in this essentially postmodern leftist society. Everybody's got to be equal. It ain't fair that you're taller, or you're smarter, or you're better looking, or you're stronger. And so if you're strong, you got to carry around bags of sand. And if you're smart, you got to wear headphones with buzz- buzzers going off. <laughs> it's all got to be equal. You know, hey. Tom Brady, who's Tom Brady? You know the the the, the, um, the quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, who's he married to? What's that that supermodel? Giselle. Giselle. <laughs> you know she's she's something else when she's got one name. Hot. She's got one name. Giselle. <laughs> Giselle. That's it. Giselle. Now here's the deal. I think Tom Brady has got to wear a pig mask, and then I've got to have. A, a stoop to stand on because this guy's probably half a foot taller than I am, right? And then he wears a pig mask, and I get to look with my ugly mug at Giselle, <laughs> and Giselle picks me because it ain't fair. <laughs> it ain't fair that Tom Brady is good looking and smart and athletic and talented. It ain't right, <laughs> and we gotta we gotta screen that out of we him. Gotta make this equal. Yeah, how do I make that equal? Giselle ain't knocking on my door. <laughs> there she is. She showed up. <laughs> Giselle is here. Hold on, folks. Giselle is at the door. We should all date Giselle. Good-looking well, models, right? Well, we all need a, a Giselle. It, it, Giselle. Ain't, it ain't fair, Chris. It ain't right. That's and we all talking. need to go to an Ivy League school. That's right. Is that right? That's right. And if I can't take the test and do well enough to get in, I need to be able to buy my way Well, in. there you go. There you go. And that's what the left, don't you love it, what the left says about this? When the left discovers that these corrupt leftists within their own group are buying their way into universities, you know what their response was? That's why we can't have standards. We just need to have the granola-eating, tree-hugging, crystal-wearing standards instead. They will divine who's getting in. That's it. It's gonna, they're going to like put hands on them like one of these you know, televangelists. I'm putting hands on you, and I'm going to decide if you're getting in or not. <laughs> this person gets to walk. This person gets to go to Harvard. That's it. We need the best and the brightest going to the best universities so that the United States of America can be the best country in the well, world. Well, we're not competitive. We're You're not right. Competitive. We're not. We're not competitive. Look at the difference. Those other countries whipping us. Oh, they are whipping us. Because guess what? We're not looking at merit to determine merit. That's right. And I, and I, I truly am worried about the engineering, the science, the engineering, yep. Yep. Uh, all the technology. We're still living on the technology coming out from the going to the moon. That's right. And in the 60s. And um, I'm afraid that India and uh, China are going to beat us in the technological race. Well, along these lines, you know, you've probably heard about this, Chris. They, they, they have this notion now in universities. Well, we've got to give trigger warnings to these delicate daisies that we call students. Oh, God. Are you heard the trigger warning? I have not. Oh, yeah, the trigger. Oh, well, we're going to be talking about some some stuff that might make you feel a little upset. 
So we're going to give you a warning. If you want to step outside and, and grab a hold of one of the stuffed animals, or there might be a therapy <laughs> dog out there to pet, or you can take a, a walk around the daisies in the park. Oh, we got a little nap table for you. Oh. So your feelings don't get hurt. So your feelings don't. We're worried oh. about your feelings. Uh, I, I'm announcing as the professor that there this might trigger some upset feelings in the classroom, and therefore, if you need to adjust yourself, adjust yourself. What is that? Come some sort of some sort of uh, you know uh, sports analogy there. Right. You need to adjust yourself, right? And guess what? Uh, there's a there's a report in the New York Times. I'm quoting, trigger warnings may not do much, early studies suggest. You think? You think? <laughs> hey, here's a cream-filled donut. Feel better. My goodness. I mean, it's, you know what my trigger warning would be? I don't give trigger warnings in law school. But if I were to give trigger warnings in law school, I would say to the students, you're in law school. That's your trigger warning. There you go. There it is. There it is. Suck it up. <laughs> Grow a pair of whatever you got a pair of. This way I'm gender neutral, I'm trans neutral, I'm pseudo neutral, I'm extra neutral, I'm under neutral, and I'm parked in neutral. That's it. Grow a pair of whatever you got a pair of. I am sick and tired of this namby-pamby, let's all worry about. You know, this is the real world, Chris. Yes. So guess what? It's hard work. How did, how did your parents survive when they came over? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they? Did they oh, was it hard work? Oh, with trigger warnings. They right. survived left and right with trigger They walked in and somewhere, my dad said, I'm an immigrant. I'd like a job. They said, well, let me give you a trigger warning. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. No. That's not how it works. My dad, both my parents, actually. I they surmise they worked hard. They worked Darn. And you had food on the table. Yeah, and, and in fact, at the time, uh, um, my mother uh, gave birth shortly uh, after they arrived. Uh, I mean, within a year, you know. And she was working. My dad was working. And they arranged for um, this uh, kind of uh, babysitting service. Uh, that was, it, they didn't even have to pay for it. It was from the, one of the community centers. And it was very nice and very helpful. But, because they were out, they were Humping it, baby. Right. They were getting it Working done. Working hard. They were pulling it up by the bootstraps and getting it done. But you don't hear about that anymore. You don't hear about. Oh well, let let let's get some trigger warnings. You see, you see, my my, my child may be upset if he's coming to your university and he's not given a trigger warning, and so uh, let's um, let's make sure that they feel okay every moment of the day because uh, you know otherwise uh, otherwise they they may get a little indigestion as they're eating their uh, carrot cake. It's too much. It's out of control. It's out of control. It's absolutely too much. Got to toughen them up. You know, it's it's consistent with this. Now everybody gets a trophy, right? Here's your trophy. There's your. Everybody gets a trophy. It's too much. Oh, I'm getting the signal that we got a call. Do I? Do I? Need... Okay, we got Glenn from England. England, like the the country, England. No, England, Arkansas. <laughs> there you go. That's better. What do you say, Glenn? What do you got for us? Well, sir, here's what I got. Uh, I was hearing Dave talking, and uh, he was talking about would Trump uh, go after the guys who went after him. 
I think Trump is a little bit better than that. He should, but I don't think he will. But uh, on a biblical aspect, I wish more of the uh, biblical people would see that there's no coincidence that Trump is the president. Uh, uh, God knew this before man knew this. And yes, he will serve another four years. And on Hillary's behalf, I, and I don't think she's going to uh, try to run, but if she did, I'm going to tell you, man, uh, those uh, uh, emails that she uh, deleted and uh, either destroyed, guess what? There's somebody who has them. And I promise you, if she do try, if she thinks she was embarrassed in 16, oh, man, just wait if she tried again. That's thank a great, you, sir. That, thank you, sir. Thank you for calling in, Glenn. That's a great uh, comment. I want to uh, home in on one aspect, uh, the important part, I think, of Glenn's comment. Glenn says, I think Trump's going to win the next election. And here's the and, – and I, I think that's correct, but I want to say something even more about that. People wrote off Trump last election. Trump did not have a chance, according to all the pundits, didn't have a chance to win. So – I think it's 19 others. Nine, was it 19 others like in the primary? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, and as he said, when, remember when Jeb Bush, he goes, Jeb, you keep getting further down the stage. You're going to fall <laughs> off soon. <laughs> Mr. Low Energy Jeb. And so the, the, the fact is President Trump is the incumbent. The incumbent has an advantage. Right. Uh, President Trump has a very strong base. Uh, the, the left is splintered. Now, does this mean he's guaranteed to win? No, I don't got I don't got a crystal ball. I'm not one of these tree huggers with the crystals and the granola and that kind of nonsense. But he's got a good chance to win. I do. I think he's still in touch with what people are thinking. That's right. That's very much the case. I like the order he issued today. Which one? Well, oh, on the uh, you tell me. Yeah, with the with the uh, just putting an order out. It's not. I mean, does it do it have a big impact? No, but it's a, it's an executive order. Oh, but he's tell, tell the basically threatened. About. The universities, um, if they continue with some kind of liberal agenda, or they they go out and they want to enact what they what some of these universities call free speech zones, then he has the power to pull their federal funding. That's right, which is up to thirty five billion. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about that, Chris, is that free speech zones. Uh, you know what I call a free spe- speech zone? United States of America. That's right. And That's a free speech zone. United States of America. And President Trump is in touch. Exactly. But you know, actually, who's more in touch on this issue? I do. Bill Ballinger? Yes. Kim Hammer? Local. Kim, Kim Hammer? Yes. Dan Sullivan? The governor signed the bill. Asa signed the bill. Uh, it, it got an overwhelming vote in the Senate. Right. It got an overwhelming vote in the House. What bill are you talking about? Oh, we're talking the- about the elimination of free speech zones. That's the Dave Ellswick free speech bill. You think I'm pumping up, Dave? I don't need to pump up, Dave. This is 100% true. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you and the audience what happened. Dave, on the air, said to me, Rob, I was contacted or I read about this um, legislator in Wisconsin. It's either Wisconsin or Minnesota. I always mess up the, okay. mess up the two. And, they, and they're trying to pass this bill um, on free to eliminate these free speech zones, which is the leftist agenda of preventing conservatives. Well, from well slow down just a bit. That, yeah. What do you mean a, a free speech right. zone? That yeah. sounds fantastic. Oh yeah, it's a nickel's worth of land 
on the public university, which between 2 and 2.15 a.m., you're allowed to air your views. That's what a free speech zone is. So the university can is going to – some administrators get together and they say, we're going to give you a free speech zone. Yeah, exactly. By the physical By the way, plant. We're, we're going to give it. Yeah. We're going to give it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's bonkers. You know what? It's so bonkers, I'm going to need to take a break and calm down, and we'll come back and we'll continue this conversation. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave. I am with my co-host for the day, Chris Corbett. We're talking about Trump's signature of the executive order protecting free speech on campuses and doing away with these so-called free speech zones. And as Chris aptly pointed out before the break, they're so-called because they're the exact opposite, right? This is what the left does with language. They say one thing to mean exactly the opposite. Free speech zone means Everywhere else is not a free speech zone. That's exactly right, Rob. Everywhere else, you can't talk. No, no, no. You can't talk. You might, you might offend the sensibility of a delicate daisy. You got to give that person a trigger warning, or you got to tell this person, "Oh, well, you know, uh, that's not inclusive enough." That was when, when, when this bill in Arkansas came out. We passed it before President Trump had it as an executive order. Bob Ballinger, I told you, Kim Hammer, Dan Sullivan. The um, the uh, governor, Listen. you you and these fine elected officials here in Arkansas, you're 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 ahead of the game. Oh, we were we're absolutely ahead of it. I we're think absolutely. y'all knew President Trump was coming out with this executive order. Well, you know, he called me. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm just teasing. He didn't call me. He didn't call me. Uh, but the, the, it's absolutely true. This is the thing. Arkansas has the opportunity to be on the leading edge of conservative issues. They, they, they did a great job on this free speech on campus bill. They, they're doing a very strong job on issues of life. Yes. And they have absolutely dropped the ball when it comes to the Second Amendment. They have absolutely dropped the ball when it comes to guns. Where is this legislature? I don't know. Do they, do, what do they have to do to ask their Republican card? They need to turn in their conservative credentials. Womack in the House introduces a bill. He can't even get it out of committee. What are you kidding me? Are you absolutely kidding me? You can't get a bill to protect the Second Amendment and the state's version. You know, I call that all Second Amendment for the sake of brevity, even though I've now avoided that purpose by explaining it to you all. He had a bill bill in the Congress, in 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 the House, the United States House. No, no, here in the Arkansas legislature. Womack had a bill to expand gun rights consistent with your Second Amendment rights. and the They knew Re- it couldn't get a vote. The Republican committee wouldn't pass it out. It's outlandish. Zach, should we start naming names? I want to start naming names. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Listen, Republicans, trust me when I tell you I am a conservative before I am uh, beholden to any party. And if you don't satisfy conservative ideals, I will come on this radio show and call your butt out. <laughs> That's right. I'm, you know, first of all, let me say this. I am, uh, uh, am less than highly impressed with the NRA this year uh, in, in the legislature. I met with the NRA rep, very nice person, very smart. 
I don't see them pushing conservative gun bills. They seem to have turned into somewhat the bureaucrats like in government. Well, we don't want to upset that apple. You know, they always look at... No, it ain't. No, it ain't. And Womack in the House, and by the way, Gary Stubblefield just introduced the companion bill in the Senate. Essentially, I think it's maybe identical. If not, it's essentially identical bill. These are two strong bills on guns. And I'm not seeing any movement from these so-called conservatives. Where are they? Bob Ballinger introduced a small guns bill a little while back. I think I know it's gone through both houses and passed both houses. I don't know if the governor signed it. That was a good bill, but it's a small bill. Where are the rest? Where are the rest of the so-called conservatives? So Bob Ballinger, he's good on guns. We know he is. Where are the rest? This, if this legislature can't pass a bill on guns, I heard some, well, you know, we, we had that act, what was it, 746? I don't even know the number, Chris. We had that act, and, you know, it was, it's perfectly clear. People are still getting arrested. Don't tell me it's perfectly clear. It's too much. I, you know what, Zach, I need to calm down again. <laughs> Go get me some volume and give me a commercial break. <laughs> This is Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. I'm here with Chris Corbett. We're talking about guns. We're talking about how, frankly, this legislature, which I support, which I've been down helping folks in this legislature nearly the entire session, conservative folks pursuing conservative bills. We've had some successes. We've had some non-successes. That's okay. Not every bill that I'm working on is going to pass. But what I cannot abide, what I cannot understand, what is really intolerable is we've elected a bunch of conservatives and they can't pass a guns bill. We cannot get guns enacted in this legislature, Chris. It's out. It's it's out of control. It's crazy. It's crazy. Too many of these politicians are becoming concerned with their own reelection and they're not concerned with the interests of the people of the state of Arkansas, and they're not concerned about the Constitution of the state of Arkansas and of the United States. We are guaranteed the right to bear arms. You don't like it? Change the Constitution! That's right. You don't like it? Write an amendment! You don't like it? Move to Canada! I don't care which option you choose. You can stay, you can go, but the law is simple. In this country, we've got a right to bear arms. <laughs> and those right. are not the things hanging off my shoulders. <laughs> I am, and these mealy-mouthed, so-called Republicans are not willing to get it done. You know, you've heard me and Jan Morgan get into a little bit of a debate on the radio before. I you know, I mean, I met her. She, I like her well enough. She seems perfectly nice. But we don't agree on a lot of things. Why do I bring this up? Because what I'm about to say is going to shock you. I think Jen Morgan and I, on this issue alone, mind you, I'm not trying to extend it, agree more than I agree with the mealy mouth politicians who are unwilling to get it done. <laughs> Jen... On this one, you're right. How dare these people, how dare these people run around 
and get elected and tell their constituents that they are, they've got a high NRA rating, they are pro-gun, they are pro-Second Amendment, and then when it comes to t- time to put their money where their mouth is, they are nowhere. This is offensive, to borrow a term of the left. You know, the left, they're offended. If you're not wearing the right color tie, they're offended. What's really offensive is this consistent undermining of our constitutional rights. You don't have a right. Well, you know, what's this country going to come? Hey, you don't like it? Change it. But until then, it's the law. So there's something. Well, if it's a law, what are you worried about? Because your people, there are sheriffs arresting people to this day for carrying their guns. Well, and it couldn't even come out of committee, could it, Rob? It didn't come out of committee. There's a process? There's a process, right? Womack could not get a positive committee vote, so he pulled it. And if if the Republicans... Yeah, if the Republicans are in charge, do they control the committees too? They have a vast majority on the committee! That's not right. There are at least... Three Republicans who would not support a good conservative guns bill. Right. Chris, I need you to explain this to me. I need an explanation. Yeah, I'm struggling to find one. Are they are they trying are they worried about the future? Are they worried about predicting the future or what might happen? It's, we've got the if it's out of control or if it's unconstitutional, we've got a third branch called the judiciary branch. That's right. Right? That's right. You know, you but, raise a very good point, Chris, because uh, th- th- this is the other argument. Not, not about guns only. You you constantly hear these these political types say, "Well, you yeah, yeah, can't enact that; it's unconstitutional." If it's unconstitutional, guess what? It don't get enforced. <laughs> That's right. The courts say no go. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. And this was by design, maybe. Yeah, it's called yeah. the Constitution. <laughs> That's right. State and federal, really, really. So don't be telling me your your back pocket interpretation of the Constitution. Is it a good bill or is it a bad bill? Well, now, wait a minute. Now, if if, if we had a full Democratic Party controlling the legislature, they could possibly pass a, gu- a bill right. banning guns. Of course. Right? Every gun. That's right. Well, it could be every, passed. Not every. Because, well, they could pass it, but it wouldn't be constitutional. What? But why? What would happen then? Then it would go to the courts and get knocked out. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good so, point. It's a good point. Yeah, so it's a uh, put it to a vote. At least bring it to a vote. It, it is truly remarkable that these politicians, these Republicans, will not bring up this guns bill. It's 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 just a shame, but it's more than a shame. But is it an excuse? Well, it, I, listen, I didn't have the votes. I, I couldn't bring it up in committee. Oh, no, I don't no, have no. the votes. Womack vote. was right. Womack didn't right. have the votes. He couldn't bring it up. I mean, he could bring it up and get a no vote. So what's the difference? Right. Womack was right. Womack is one of the seemingly handful of real conservatives operating. I've named the names before. You got Womack. You got Sullivan. You got Hammer. You got Ballinger. Those aren't the only ones. But right now, those are the big ones. And then you've got members on this committee who are Republican. Listen, I got no complaints with the Dems voting like Dems vote. I don't vote for Dems. I don't put them in office. The Dems are doing what the Dems are supposed to do. 
be obstructionist, vote against guns, seek to undermine education, seek to undermine the meaning of language, tell us that words don't have any meaning, and then at the end, of course, call us all racists because we're conservative. That's a democratic program. I've got no problem that Democrats pursue the democratic program. I just ain't voting for it. <laughs> But I'm voting for the Republicans, Chris. And these guys, at least some of them, they're not holding it up. They're not doing their job. And I'll tell you this. You know that uh, there are various – NRA puts out a list. Right. right? You know, the A+, plus, A, et cetera. Uh, the Arkansas Project rates um, legislators – um, Arkansas and, Project, what's that, a blog? What do you, what's that? Yeah, it's a think tank uh, that puts out a blog in Arkansas. It used to be run by my good friend Dan Greenberg. Excellent. Uh, now he's serving the Trump administration in Washington, and so it's turned over to a fellow by the name of Mark Kilmer, uh, and they're doing a fantastic job over there keeping, keeping conservatives uh, informed and in check as well. Uh, there's the folks, the conduit folks that come on every Friday, they put out a very important rating uh, of legislators. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the Steinbuck rating. We're going to start putting out the Steinbuck rating. Did you vote right on guns? No. You're out. That's it. That's the Steinbuck rating right there. You didn't vote right? You're out, baby. Thumbs up, thumbs down. No one to five. No A plus, A minus. I like you know, this. I like this litmus test. That's it. Did you vote right on guns? <laughs> no? Use out, baby. Go talk to somebody else. I don't need to hear that big tin of Shinola coming here. Oh, Rob, we can only carry our guns in some places. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's because those I can only free. I can only speak freely in some that's places. Right. Free speech zones and gun zones. <laughs> that's right. They go hand in hand. Don't you know that your constitutional rights only go as far as the latest hack, bureau hack, and elected official tell you, Chris? You didn't know that? It's too much. It is absolutely too much. And I think that Womack and and, uh, Stubblefield should bring their bills up through the committee and force the vote. Now, I support these guys. It's not a criticism of them. These are the guys getting it done, pushing the bills, writing the bills. But you know what? Stick it to them. Stick it to them, Gary. Stick it to them, Steve. Steve Womack, right? Steve Womack, U.S. Representative. Steve Womack. No, no, no. What's the state rep's name? I'm sorry. Rep Womack. I forgot his first name now. Which one? Richard. Richard Womack. Thanks. Sorry, Richard. Stick it to them. That's my advice. Yeah, Steve's a brother, right? Or some some relative. Yeah, Stick it to them. Make these Republicans show their stripes. Are you kidding me? Arkansas. We, you know, Chris, when I moved that, here. Go ahead. I was going to say, when I moved here, I moved to the South by design. I wanted to come to the South. Now, I was looking for a job. And Rob, we're glad you're here. Oh, they, 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 <laughs> that makes two of us. Right? We're glad you you're here. Both. You and me both. I don't know about anybody else, but you and me both. Maybe Zach. Zach, are you okay How with it? How did you survive? Zach, Zach is nodding kind of a non-committal yes. <laughs> Come on, Zach. Back me up. So so we, um, so we. I moved here for, for, for several reasons, um, but I had an interest in coming to the South. 
Uh, and one of the reasons I had an interest in coming to the South was for conservative values. People, you know, the geographic shifts in this country don't happen by accident. People move to those locations that offer them the environment that they're looking for. And one of the things that I was looking for, remember, I came from liberal Maryland. I lived up in New York. Now, where I lived, where I grew up in New York was not a liberal area. It was out in the suburbs. It was, it was mostly Republican, but it was, remember, New York Republican, which is kind of a more moderate Republican. Let's be honest about that, right? And I was looking for a place with conservative values. Now, I was also looking for a job in teaching, so I needed to mesh those two things. But that, that occurred here in Arkansas. So I get down here, and it was, it was still a Democratic legislature. But I knew it was a conservative environment. And in short order, in, in part, in, and I mean this sincerely, in part as a consequence of Dave Ellswick's sort of constant um, um, communication of conservative values on the air, uh, this legislature became conservative. It's not only that. I'm not trying to suggest that he was the single-handed. I mean, this was a movement, right? We saw how um, these holdover Democratic states, and that's a holdover from the Civil War, because remember, the Republicans were fighting for the North. uh, And so the Democrats sort of filled in that gap for the South. Uh, And finally, the state went Republican. And I said, wow, that's fantastic. This This is... Entirely consistent with my preferences. And I see a lot of good conservative issues being pushed. Some good conservative bills getting passed. And then we run up into the snowplow. (laughs) The snowplow that are the guns bills. And we cannot get it done. (laughs) I have no explanation for this. Other than political cover. The politicians don't want to get it done. They're telling their constituencies one thing and they're doing another thing in the legislature. And that's it. We're starting today. What's today's date? Let me put up. March 22nd was the birth of the Steinbuck Report. <laughs> I like it. But the Steinbuck Report's real easy. Did you vote right on guns? You get a thumbs up. You vote wrong on guns? Out you go, baby. <laughs> Out you go! You know, there, there might be an analogy here, Rob. I was uh, sitting here listening to you. That you got the, free, the, the, the right to free speech. That's right. Constitutional Amendment number one. That's right. Let, let's go Let, through some numbers. Yeah. Do, uh, the, the right see, to the bear left arms. Does, the left don't like numbers. Go ahead. Go. Yeah. The right to bear arms. The right to bear arms. What number is that? Number two. There you go. And there got, you go. Wait a Free speech zone. Yeah. Gun free zone. zone. Lots of zones. What the? Lots of government bureau hack zoning you out of your rights. Are these limitations? Free speech. It should be no speech zone, right? That's what the <laughs> that's left next. Is, is that next? Well, that's what it was. Free, yeah. So-called free speech zone was the left manipulation of language to tell you in reality it was a no speech zone. So leftists at, at leftist universities are telling you that you can't speak violation of Constitutional Amendment Number One, and it was titled "Free Speech." Of course, zone. it was because they make up the language. Free speech means no speech. No speech means free speech, right? And then the left says, "Guess what? Gun-free zones." Guns. Free. Hey, yes. Chris, don't you know if you say that the zone is gun-free, nobody can bring a gun in there. Nothing bad can happen, right? Like in Parkland. Wrong. Right. 
like in New Jersey and, oh, excuse me, like in Connecticut, right? Shall we go through the list of places that were gun-free zones? Awful. That were only, what were they not? Free of guns. With that, we'll take a break. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We're talking about a relatively uncontroversial topic, right, Chris? Guns! (laughs) Guns! Number two. Number two! Constitutional Amendment number two! You think they rank those in importance? Absolutely. Oh, the, really? no, there's evidence to, to support I think, that. I think it's you're not right. an accident that the, the Federalist first, Papers may have right, that. That's right. No, it's no accident that in the U.S. Constitution that the First Amendment is the one about free speech and the Second Amendment is about um, guns. Um, uh, and, and Paul Calvert, uh, the regular guest uh, on Dave's show, uh, has given us a call in. Uh, let, let's go to Paul. Paul, how are you? I am good. Hey, I heard y'all talking about the um, Richard Womack's gun bill. Right. Is um, anti-gun free zone bill. Basically, he's trying to eliminate some of these killing zones. That's right. That's exactly and right. So, so what I understand is that on the committee, I, I think it's probably it may be almost seventy-five percent Republican on that committee, but he couldn't even get ten. It's amazing. It's really and, how is that possible, Paul? Well, I think it's only got Republicans well, they're anti-Second Amendment, and some who are just um, kind of. They believe in guns, but but they believe in they, they believe in in gun rights, but mm-hmm. and so they they've got some ideas that well we shouldn't trust the general public to have guns in certain places or in some cases they don't even think we should trust people with concealed carry permits to have but, guns and isn't that not that a leftist view? How is that different than the leftists? I, I don't know how it's how it's different. Um, so anyway, from what I understand, there there were. There were, I think it was about four or five Republicans on that committee. I think that the chairman of the committee, um, um, Representative Dalby, from what I understand, I think from what I hear, she was opposed to the bill. And then Doug House was, was also had some misgivings about it. And Spencer Hawks as well. I don't know what all of their issues were specifically. Spencer Hawk, he's my rep from Conway. He's a yeah, first he's term, isn't he? Yeah, his first term. His first term. So I, I don't know what his reservations were, but about it. But from what I hear, he had some he had some um, some last minute um, concerns about it, so he wasn't able to vote for. You it. mean he was Democrat? Well, uh, he's he's a registered Republican. Oh, that's his party. But but the the he had for whatever reason wasn't able to support it, and hmm. I, I think it'd be good to give these people a call and and ask them what. What can be done to if the bill needs to be amended some, some or Chris, he's your representative. I'm stunned. I didn't know. Get I on got, the horn, Chris. <laughs> Do something. You're sitting here in the studio instead of getting on the horn to your state rep. Get it done, Mr. Hawk. Get it done, Paul. It's so, so anyway, I, I, at least that's the rumors I've heard. Is is those three, and I think there's probably a couple others that. Um, that maybe had some misgivings about it, but I, I think the maybe they can maybe the bill can be changed a little bit to help to help with that. But we also need to realize that these representatives are getting just hordes and hordes of calls, more than likely from um, Moms Demand Action type crowds. Right, but they signed up for that. that, though, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And um, and, and, and guess also, what? They're they're getting votes and votes from conservatives. Maybe they yep. should be a little concerned about their actual voting constituency. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. And so, I, when Arkansans elect elected seventy five Republicans in the House of Representatives, um, when we came up with that through elections, you know, I, I think that's a somewhat of a mandate to to pass some some gun rights bills. Absolutely. And, and from from my conversations with Asa Hutchinson in the past, I think he's pretty squishy on it. Um, He's, he, I spoke with him several years ago about the idea of, of parents being allowed to carry in the classrooms with their own children. And I think he used the example of he wouldn't trust his own wife. Hmm. And, um, ouch. And, um, so I mean, I think that's just kind of just reveals some of his philosophy on it. And this was actually before he was governor when I, when I had that conversation with him. Yeah. And, well, and well so, listen, if the, if, if the legislature passes a good bill, uh, I think he's going to sign it. So I, I don't see him as the holdup one way or the other. I, I take your point, but I don't see yeah, him I, as the holdup. Go ahead. I, I don't, I don't know what to think about the governor on this. I, okay. It would be interesting to see if he had the, the guts to actually um, veto it. Of course, the thing is, the legislature's got a little bit of guts. Not hard at all to override the governor's veto. All you Paul, need is yeah. 51. No, he, 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 we can get it done. Paul, we're going to have to go to a hard break. Thanks for calling in. We'll continue yes, this Thank co- you. conversation. Take care, my friend. Thanks. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave. Chris, have you watched TV lately? And, you know, Beto O'Rourke has gotten a lot of attention. And is it just me? I think he looks like that character from the movie Alien and Aliens, you know, right before that <laughs> monster pokes out of his stomach. You know, he does that herky jerk, the guy, you know, because he's got that that sort of alien embryo in his stomach. And he, he's eat, in the original Alien movie, you may recall, it's in it's what's it, like 30 years old at least? That, no, it's 40 years old, I think that movie is. Total Recall. Total And we're not talking Total Recall. We're talking, talking alien. And the guy's eating with the crew, and all of a sudden he starts jerking. And then he flops down, and they get him up on the table, and then the alien bursts out of his stomach and runs away into hiding. <laughs> right before the alien bursts out of his stomach, he's doing this kind of herky-jerky motion, needless to say, because he's got an alien embryo in his stomach. That's Beto O'Rourke! Ben O'Rourke is doing the slow motion alien. And so I want this guy tested. I want him tested because I think he's got an alien inside of him. (laughs) Hey, people are loving him, but he's a guy of zero substance. Yeah, there's really. What's he going to do? There there ain't a lot of there. That's right. You know, but listen, hey, in all seriousness, you know, uh, just to be clear, folks, I don't think he actually has an alien inside of him. Uh, But that notwithstanding, Look, the Dems are deciding who they're going to pick to lose to Trump. So it's going to take a while to figure that out. And they can all run. I, I really, it's it's totally up to them. I'm not a fan of Beto. Um, I'm not a fan of Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and, and I hope not to this to be a death knell, but I actually think uh, what Amy Klobuchar, I don't agree with her politics overall, but I think she's got a more sort of common sense sensibility than some of the ultra-left uh, in the Democratic Party. So I think she's a more, in my mind, viable candidate. But again, I'm not picking the Democrat Democratic candidate. Um, Joe Biden is more centrist than many of the others. Although there's talk now that he's going to try to pick a, a lefty for the vice president early on to show his uh, leftist credentials. And also, they were talking about um, 
uh, Stacey Abrams, the um, defeated governor uh, candidate from Georgia, uh, and he would pick her because she's a woman. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't pick uh, candidates based on their gender, uh, their color. Uh, I, be, I pick them based on their qualifications, their capabilities. Uh, and so Joe Biden, who is a white man, um, should hope that when people vote, they do the same because otherwise he won't be elected. But that's the hypocrisy of the left. Uh, Even the white men um, go around on their apology tours apologizing for being white men. Uh, That that hurts me when you say that. Well, they apologize for being white men, but here's the inherent contradiction. Then say, but vote for me nonetheless. Well, but I thought I'm supposed to vote for people based on their color or their gender or some other irrelevant characteristic. Yes, everybody but me. That's what Joe Biden and... Beto O'Rourke and those and the white men in the Democrat Party have to say, vote for me, notwithstanding that I'm a white male. Sorry. Let me apologize. It's just, you know, it's it's an embarrassment. Listen, John Wayne's a white male. I, I, I ain't voting for them if they're a, a, a white man and I'm not voting against them if they're a white man. I'm voting for them if I think they're a good candidate. There you go. You know, what a crazy idea that is. You know, this notion, it's just absurd. Look, this is... You seem to be talking a little bit about meritocracy. Yeah, that, that crazy word meritocracy. Look, when we've had um, Elena Kagan and um, what's the other one? Uh, the, the woman recently appointed to the court, um, a Hispanic woman. I forgot. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I didn't care uh, that they were women or not women. Uh, Elena Kagan is incredibly capable candidate. Uh, now she's a leftist. I don't agree with the politics. I don't agree with her view of the constitution. But for a leftist, she was an, uh, an incredibly qualified candidate. So that's the point here. It's that it's not as if there are not qualified candidates in all mixes, men, women, whatever race, whatever other irrelevant characteristic you want to look to but this is the left they're all about these labels what are you you know uh, how many boxes can you check i don't care i absolutely don't care but it's really ironic to me that the left has managed to corner this area so that they literally say don't vote for someone because he's a white male and that's not a racist comment and vote for this person because he or she is this group or that group, and that's not a racist comment. It's a conditioning. I think it's conditioning. Yeah, yeah. Sotomayor, that's I just looked at. Oh, up thank for you, you. Sotomayor. Yeah. yeah, I don't think she was terribly well qualified, by the way. Not because she's a woman, but because she. I said to I said to some uh, someone who knows a lot about courts. I said, you know, I think she was a mediocre uh, appellate judge, um, and. Uh, he said, well, I think she was kind of a regular appellate judge in, in the federal system. I said, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not impressed with a lot of them. Men, women, minority, non-minority. I think there are a few good ones. And then uh, Kagan was not a judge at all, but she was very impressive. Again, not the right judicial or political philosophy for me, but elections have consequences. That's the whole point. And so... When Donald Trump got elected, of course, he's been putting in a bunch of conservative just, justices and judges. And that's what conservatives want. That's what we want. And when the the uh, 
population of Arkansas overwhelmingly elected Republicans to the state legislature, both the House and the Senate, what did they want? They wanted conservatives. And they wanted conservatives to vote on conservative bills. Like the guns bills! Like the guns bills! But what happened instead? We get a bunch of mealy-mouthed, so-called Republicans, and we can't pass a guns bill out of committee! What's that? So guess what? These people who aren't voting for the guns bills, they fail the Steinbuck test. That's right. Because it's a real easy test. Did you vote right on Womack's bill? Do you support Womack's bill? Do you support Stubblefield's mirror bill in the Senate? If yes, you you get a thumbs up. If no, out you go. They check the Republican cards at the door. That's it. Which room are they in? What committee room are they in? I That's wonder. I, 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 maybe there's something with the air down there in the legislature right now. Maybe they're pumping in some laughing gas or something. Because I don't know what's going on. Did you hear about, by the way, you know, we had this tragedy, real tragedy in Australia with the shooting. And then there was some Australian senator who said something really inappropriate, offensive. He made some offensive comment uh, tying, I don't know, directly, indirectly, I don't remember exactly, the, the, um, the awful, disgusting, racist killings uh, that went on down there with the immigration policy. And you know who's responsible for those killings? The murderer. That's who's responsible. That's not right. immigration policy. That's right. Not, not anything else. The murderer is responsible for those killings. So he makes not his, Trump. Not Trump, by the way. <laughs> not Trump. Um, and so he makes these uh, um, stupid comments. Guess what? People are allowed to make stupid comments. Uh, I've right. made stupid comments once. One time. Um, <laughs> you like that one? Huh? Yeah. Um, so uh, he makes these stupid comments. And this punk comes up to him with an egg in his hand and a camera, you know, phone camera in the other hand, and he smashes an egg on this guy's head. And so the guy turns around and he smacks the guy. Amen, brother. Nice. He smacks the guy. And you know why? Because the guy needed a good butt whipping. (laughs) You smacking it. That's an assault, first of all. He hit him with his hand and an egg. That's an outright assault. You hit me in the head with an egg. And I hope I have the fortitude to smack your butt down because that's the right thing to do. So he smacks smacks this guy back after after the aggressor, right? after the attacker hits him. And now this, course, guy, this guy only made a comment, right? He used speech. Yeah, oh, yeah, But speech, then the other speech. guy has used his fist. He used his fist. But Open-handed see, yet, uh, uh, but assault and battery an nonetheless. With an egg. Assault and battery. And you know, but you see, the left says, but if it's speech that we don't like, that's an attack. You see, you see, if you, you see, Chris, if, if you say something that we really don't like, well, that's, that's a verbal attack. That's not protected by the First Amendment, and, and we can beat you up for that. We can, Is there such thing as a verbal attack? Uh, yeah, not, can not you like, feel no. an imminent threat yeah, of yeah. harm from a verbal assault? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah, but it's not. It, just to, to these political comments, stupid as they may have been by this uh, Australian senator, and this yeah. guy smacks him in the head with an egg, and in response, this senator, whose comments were stupid, his response was right on the money. <laughs> right on the money. <laughs> Let me tell you, I think he smacked him twice. He should have smacked him three times. 
He actually, <laughs> he actually got pulled away. I think he would have oh, smacked him. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. I think he, sh- I think he would have smacked him three times. Three times a charm, baby. He should have ran. <laughs> yeah. Should have rather tried. Should have retreated. That's right. Right? We couldn't pass Bob Ballinger's uh, um, uh, stand your ground law. That's right. That's another guns bill we couldn't pass. Because of these lefties in the state legislature with an R in front of their name. We're going to come back to that. Put a pin in that one. Yeah, We're okay. going to come back to that. Bob Ballinger can't pass his good do not, what's it called, do not retreat bill, something like that. Well, well right. now this is what, Arkansas is one of the like one of the last two states that uh, you have to retreat. Is that right? Yeah, you have to retreat. It's really, why do I have to retreat? Explain to me. If I'm standing on public ground and some guy attacks me with deadly physical force and i'm entitled to defend myself but i can turn around and run away that i've got to demonstrate that i couldn't run away that why you retreated that yeah that you retreated why is that burden before on me? you defended yourself yeah yeah why i thought i thought if i'm on public ground i'm allowed to be there but this is like what the lefties told uh ashlyn hogart on asu campus this is private property wait what ASU, Arkansas State University, private property. You can't talk your. You, you got to go. And you're on, talking about the, the Turning Point USA. Yeah, Turning Point yeah. came to ASU and they had to stand on their nickel sized free speech zone between 2 a.m. and 2.215 a.m. That's yes. the only time they get to have free speech. So they're, they're told, you can't stand here. And now, with these retreat laws, you've got to retreat. You can't stand on public land when someone's attacking you. You've got to run away. Run away. Run away? Does that sound like a Southern sensibility? Does that sound like an American sensibility? Run away. I'm not saying retreat's always a bad idea. Let me tell you, if I can get away without getting hurt versus being in a gunfight, I think I'd try to do it. But that's a big if, ain't it? It is a big if. And then then, then put that up, juxtapose that next to mandated by the law. Yeah, exactly. No, you don't get to make that decision, Chris. You must retreat. You must retreat. Or be held what for the con- to, you know, Oh, held- you go to jail? Yeah. You go to jail. You shot the guy without retreating. Sorry, no self-defense. Wait, this guy came up against me, threatened me inappropriately with deadly physical force. I defended myself but did not retreat, and I can't claim self-defense. In the state of Arkansas, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Yeah. That's a huge problem. But this is what I'm talking about. And this is, ties into this Australian discussion that I was saying to you. You know what the Prime Minister of Australia said? He said that the, that the um, senator should be charged for smacking that punk ass who hit him in the mm. head with the egg. I've not seen this article, but that's, yeah. that sounds awful. That's the same thing. Blame the victim. Blame the victim. If a guy is coming at you with deadly physical force in Arkansas, run away. Run away, say the leftists. You're not allowed to stand your ground in Arkansas. You're not allowed to stand your ground. Stand your ground. The notion of standing your ground, is that not what America is made of? Hey, the the Nazis are coming during World War II. Run away. Run away. (laughs) Right? The communists are coming to take over Eastern Europe. Run away! Run away! 
The commies go into Grenada. Run away. Run away. When you say it like that, it makes it so easy. Mm -hmm. But the left takes it out of context. Yes, exactly. They make it sound like stand your ground is a excuse to kill somebody. Exactly. And it's not. You still have to demonstrate that you were defending yourself. That's right. Against deadly physical force. And you were in fear. Of your life. For your life. By the way, I, I even repeat the bad, deadly physical force, as opposed to what other kind of, yeah. but how about just deadly force, yeah. right? But this is the liberals, right? Well, the liberals, well, then, then there's deadly word force, right? There's deadly word oh, force, it's a verbal attack. A verbal attack, deadly word force. It's just deadly force. That's right. I can't stand my ground. Are you kidding me? Kidding me? Let's take a break. We'll come back. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We were talking about, Chris, this Australian senator who, who was hit uh, with an egg after um, the terrible uh, killing in New Zealand. I don't know if I made that clear right. in the last segment that the killing was in New Zealand, which is down there, but obviously a different country. And, um, and the prime minister of um, Australia says that the senator should be charged. Wait, what? Wait, Outlandish. What? The senator should be charged for responding to the punk ass that hit him in the head with an egg. I'll take that case. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just watched the video. I just watched the video. He must have been a southpaw. It was a left hook. Was it a left he hook? got him with a left. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Unbelievable. But this is what the left does, right? They turn things on their head. And you know, if you slow down, I just watched the video, and, yeah. and the kid's behind him. Right. And so basically, it's not assault. It's just a battery. Because he doesn't he, know it's coming. He didn't know it was coming. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure we get to absolve him of wrongdoing because, folks, Chris is homing in on the fact that assault is a threatened attack. Well, right. it wasn't threatened. He was he was hoodwinked. Yes. He was sucker punched. From this behind. This guy was sucker punched with an egg from behind. Yeah. And, um, and so it was as actually I looked at it, it was a measured response. It wasn't a full on closed fisted punch. It was he an open. Socked him right in the nose with, with all five fingers. Let me yeah. tell you, that's what he should have It done. was an open handed slap from the. But, it was a left. It was a nice, good, good form. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It got the kid, the seventeen year old, across the face. Yeah. Oh, am I? Are they going to come after me like they came after Trump? Uh, Trump said, "Take him out." Blah, blah. I mean, this is right. You know, this is the problem with the left. And the squishy uh, uh, conservatives who are unwilling to support um, Bob Ballinger's stand your ground bill. Yeah, I mean this, uh, the senator. I mean, is obviously from the video, is total reaction. Yeah, he, he defended himself hundred uh, percent. But you know, and and in, in Arkansas, he may should have retreated first. Yeah, that, that's maybe, right. That's maybe. the argument, right? Maybe. Maybe he needs to retreat. Exactly. Exactly. This is what's a, and you know, it's not only these, the, those squishy conservatives who wouldn't vote for Ballinger's bill. Um, the Sheriff's Association or some sheriff's group was out there talking about this. I saw one guy, he came up. This is another thing that I've seen observing this legislature this term. These folks come out and they make these statements and they're just goofy statements and, and they make them as if they're true or they're dispositive. I saw one guy make a statement. He said, well, you know, understand your ground law. If a guy uh, used deadly force against uh, a victim, because that's what it is, a victim, and the victim left and then came back, uh, understand your ground law, uh, we couldn't show that he 
had retreated or the option for retreating. Wait, wait, came back to a public place where he's allowed to be? Or he should be frightened off, scared away by the criminals, by the wrongdoers, by the murderers, by the muggers, by the rapists. That's what you're saying? We can't stand our ground to murderers and rapists? That's what you're saying? This is, this is out of control. This is our state. This is our property. This is our right. And if somebody's coming at you with deadly force, you're allowed to respond without running away like a, like a scared cat. Now, if you decide to run away, because that's a safe move, God bless you. That's right. God bless you. I remember, you know, when they, like when we're talking about John McCain and others and these people, they were beaten when they were forced to make confessions. And look, I've never been in the military. I admire the military immensely. And I've always said, I don't know. I think I'd make the confession earlier than later uh, because it's all a bunch of hoopla, right? (laughs) Oh, I confess that this bad thing about my country. And then I get out and I said, they were beating me. Don't listen to me when they're beating me. Don't listen to me when they're holding a gun to my head. And nobody thinks otherwise. I'd be blinking out the SOS. You know, I watch those movies, too. I know how to do it. Right. Right? And they beat me, too, because they watch the same movies. The Delta Force movies. I watch the same thing. Exactly. I get it. But people are... I remember John McCain was hard on himself. Well, I kind of broke. and Broke? Give it up. I mean, I'm not saying give up secrets, but you're saying, oh, you want me to denounce this or that? You got it. You want me to denounce my family? You got it. And then I get out of there, and guess who I'm denouncing? You! That's right. You! You punk! I think they call that. And in the law, they have an excuse for that. It's called duress. 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 It's a legal defense. Exactly. Duress. I was under duress. Duress. (laughs) Duress. Well, you know what? I think I'm under duress right now. I need to take a break, and we're going to come back after this break. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave Ellswick. I want to change topics, Chris. We had talked about on the air. You know, the audience knows, my mother died fairly recently. We came back to Little Rock from New York where she was getting care. And I had stayed with her for an extended period because I had to uh, start back at work after an extended leave. And they were kind enough to give me an extended leave. Uh, unpaid leave, but you know, it's still, it's not easy. And so I, I was appreciative of their uh, willingness to allow me to take uh, an extended unpaid leave. But eventually uh, I came back, I had to come back and I brought my mother with me. We brought her over to UAMS uh, to see this Dr. Kristen Zorn, who um, I was unimpressed with. Uh, I was displeased with. And at some point, this doctor fired my mother as a patient. Now, that's what happened. She fired my mother as a patient. She wrote us an email. Oh, uh, uh, you know, remember that caveman lawyer uh, skit from Saturday Night Live? I'm just a simple caveman lawyer, but I don't know these complex tax matters. And she, and she wrote me this email. Oh, I didn't realize you were still getting treatment from the, your New York doctor, even though I told her when I met with her, we're getting treatment from the New York doctor. But that's not what I want to tell you about. I don't want to further 
elaborate, as I've done in the past, about the lousy care that I got from UAMS and Dr. Uh, Kristen Zorn over there. I want to tell you about the Freedom of Information Act because one of the things that this Dr. Kristen Zorn said, and I'm going to read you what what her claim is. She said, while I declined to comply with Mr. Steinbuck's requests for medical orders in the absence of a physical examination, I offered to arrange for Ms. Steinbuck, my mother, to be seen by myself, let me repeat that, to be seen by myself or another physician at UAMS. And so guess what I did? I made a Freedom of Information Act request of UAMS. This is why it's so important that we don't gut the Freedom of Information Act like various folks have tried to do. And I got some really important documentation. And I got an email between Dr. Kristen Zorn and the University Council, which included an email from Dr. Zorn's supervisor. And Dr. Zorn had drafted a a potential response uh, to me. Dr. Zorn's supervisor, did I say that? Had drafted a potential response to me when I complained that Dr. Zorn had dumped my mother as a patient, had fired my mother as a patient. And the the draft response from the supervisor said, or uh, said, I communicated with Dr. Zorn and agree it's reasonable for her to see your mother for an in-person evaluation, yada, yada, yada. Okay. And then there's an email from Dr. Zorn saying to the, to the lawyer, to the UAMS lawyer, by the way, paid with government dollars, right? I mean, it's a, it's a government lawyer. Um, and it says, uh, let's see where's, um, I thought we were to have them see someone else at UAMS. Wait, what? Then she writes, this sounds like Dr. Hutchins, which is Zorn's boss, is agreeing with him, meaning me, and making me see the patient. Wait, wait, what? (laughs) I thought you agreed to see the patient. (laughs) Let me reread you the line from Dr. Zorn and then the line to me and to, yes, to me and others. Where he says, I offered to arrange for Ms. Steinbuck to be seen by myself. That's what Dr. Zorn said in public. This is what Dr. Zorn says in private. This sounds like Dr. Hutchinson, Hutchins is agreeing with him and making, making me see the patient. God forbid you see the patient. God forbid you see my dying mother, Dr. Zorn. Is that too much work for you? Getting paid with a UAMS public salary? Is that too much? By the way, I got a stack of mail addressed to my mother, and some of which I've opened, some of which I haven't opened. You know, it's a, it's a traumatic experience. Right. You know that there is a collection letter to my dead mother from UAMS for $30 for the visit that, that, that my mother had with Dr. Zorn before Dr. Zorn dumped my mother as a patient? Outrageous. Are you aware of that? Yeah. Hey, UAMS, you can dig up the dead body and pry the $30 out of her cold, dead hands. That's when you're going to get it. That's when you're going to get it. Rob, you know, it makes me think a little bit about 
um, you know, a duty of a doctor. And then like, let's compare that to a lawyer. If we're a lawyer to dump a client, they've got to ask permission from the judge. That's right. And I'm not up to on, you know, the, the Hippocratic Oath and what the MDs, what they swear to. But I think that they're required. This sounds like the Hippocritical Oath. Yeah. The hypocritical. Is this the Hippocritical Oath? You've got to make sure that if you want to fire a patient, that it's not going to uh, in any way harm the health of the patient. Let's reread I, that line, uh, Chris, because yeah. I don't think having repeated it twice in two minutes, I said it enough. Zorn says, I offered to arrange for Miss Steinbuck, my mother. To be seen by myself. That's what she says to me and the public. What does she say internally? I thought we would have them see someone else. Yeah. This sounds like Dr. Hutchins is agreeing with him and making, making me see the patient. Wait, if you offer to see the patient, how come you're saying to your boss in private, how come you're saying to your government paid attorney in private, no, wait, you're going to make me see the patient? You're going to make me see the patient? Maybe you should get off of your cushy chair in that overdeveloped UAMS cancer center that they're seeking more money for, by the way. Whose money? Uh, taxpayer money! Yeah, that's right. They want to raise taxes so that Dr. Zorn can say, what was the line? I offered to arrange for Miss Steinbuck to be seen by myself. That's what she says to the public. And she says internally, this sounds like Dr. Hutchins is agreeing with him and making me see the patient. I thought we were to have them see someone else. Right. And you without the Freedom of Information request. never found it. Would you have been have had access without to Without the Freedom of Information Act? I would have never got a hold of these critical documents showing the hypocrisy, showing the lies that go on throughout this government. That's right. This is just a, a shock. They're telling me, oh, I, I offered to arrange to be seen by myself. And they're saying, I thought I didn't have to see her. Outrageous. Now, which is it? Which is it? This this Freedom of Information requests and Freedom Freedom of Information Act is the public's dagger. It's the public That's sword. Right. That's right. It's an attack mechanism. Well, to, it's a defense mechanism, well, and it's both, right? right? It's attacking and defense. Well, it's it's allowing us to know the truth. Right. That's all it does. It allows us to know the truth. By the way, this is not the only thing in the, that is revealed. She wouldn't give a uh, an order that she had previously agreed to do to get my mother physical therapy. And she says, oh, no, it wouldn't have done any harm if I gave the order. I just didn't want to keep getting wrapped up in giving orders to what? To a patient that she dumped, right? To a patient right. that she fired. Huh. Outrageous. This, this, there's no way to reconcile all of these statements. Well, I ultimately did offer to see him. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a real willing offer, doesn't it? This Uh is what I'm talking about, huh? Yeah. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about, you know? So, let me me rephrase it. It's, It's either a lie, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a complete lack of transparency, which has been exposed by this FOIA. And, and and a desire 
to walk that line of telling the patient one thing, suggesting a willingness to treat a patient when you're doing it under duress, protest, uh, disinclination, whatever the case may be. So you, you know what, you can choose amongst those various descriptions what's the most accurate. I'm not going to pick one. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know. But in the case there. But well, what we do know is she said, I offered to arrange to be seen by Miss Steinbuck to be seen by myself. And she says, this sounds like Dr. Hutchinson is agreeing with Steinbuck and making me see the patient. Well, you. So that means you didn't offer. You didn't offer if someone else is making you do it, did you? That's just not a true statement, is it? You didn't offer. You said those words, but you didn't offer. And this all because she decided she wasn't going to see my mother anymore. So this is the power of the Freedom of Information Act, folks. The Freedom of Information Act allows you to know what your government bureaucrats are up to. I I recall at the time when I got this information, I think I talked about it on Dave's show then, the counsel's office were were very quick to get me my records as they are required to by law, but they did a good job and I paid them a compliment because they complied with the FOIA. I suspect that the doctors over at UAMS didn't know that their statements were going to be disclosed. They probably didn't. Yeah. Exactly. But now they do. Now they do. And I, I've heard rumors. I don't know for sure, but mm-hmm. I've read some articles about how the new the new uh, mayor, maybe some new staff at the city of Little Rock are not complying with the FOIA. Oh, yeah. I, I, I talked to somebody in the Democrat Gazette, in fact, uh, Rachel Herzog, but today uh, about the fact that the mayor is turning down Freedom of Information Act requests for records regarding these commissions or whatever they're called, in which he's staffing with a bunch of individuals to advise him on transition issues. And he says, oh, well, those are... Is that public? Yes. 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 It's public. They're public information. Do they have a defense? Oh, yeah. They're cla- well, these are, these are transition committees for the public entity. Sorry, you've been elected already. Right. There ain't no transition anymore. You're in office. You just hired the new police chief. You're the boss. You're a public official. So you better start turning over some records. But the, like I said, the, the UAMS... Why wouldn't they turn it over? I don't know. Ah, well, because it's too much work. Nah, it's a te- Rob, it's too much work. Indeed, the tendency of government is towards non-disclosure. Tendency of government is towards growing too large. And that's why we need a Freedom of Information Act uh-huh. that is strong and we need to maintain our conservative values to keep government limited. And without those two things working in tandem, government will take over our lives. And then guess what? Then you're going to try to get some medical care. And you're going to d- get right. a doctor that tells you. One thing. I offered to arrange for Ms. Steinbuck to be seen by myself. And then they're going to tell internally, wait, I thought we were going to have them see someone else. This sounds like Dr. Hutchins is agreeing with Steinbuck and making me see his mother. Now, Chris, do those two statements sound consistent to you? They don't jive at all. They don't jive. No. That's the best way to say it. All those other descriptions I had, they're not as good as that. They don't jive. (laughs) They don't jive. They do not 
job. <laughs> that dog don't yeah. hunt. And now they want $30 from my dead mother. Come collect, <laughs> you grave diggers. Come collect. Let's take a break. This is Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. Chris, we just spoke about the Freedom of Information Act and how these um, challenging comments from a UAMS doctor, uh, one set of comments made in public and this, another set of comments made in private, um, are, are, are difficult to put side by side. Uh, they're difficult to reconcile. And this bespeaks a broader point about freedom of access to the government and then freedom from burden by the government. There was a recent Court of Appeals decision that repeats essentially the decision of another, you know, there's about a little over a dozen courts of appeals, federal courts of appeals in this country. They're divided up geographically and then those feed into the U.S. Supreme Court. Now we have a second opinion that confirms the first, which is that putting up the middle finger, flipping the bird, as we like to say, constitutionally protected. I, I present these two stories side by side because they really drive the, uh, uh, an underlying theme or an overarching theme. And that theme is that government is responsible to the people, not the other way around. So I talked to you about how the government supplied health care at UAMS was not responsible to me. And then after not being responsible to me, they told me and the public one story and they had a not completely consistent story internally uh, with the one that they were expressing publicly because, as I said, publicly they said, oh, yeah, we said we'll see her, no problem. And I said, I don't want to see her. I don't want to see her. And now the second story is about how the government tried to prosecute someone, tried to add charges uh, to, uh, to someone who was pulled over after the person who was pulled over flipped a bird. The court said, you're allowed to flip the bird to the cops. Now, I'm not <laughs> suggesting it's a good idea. <laughs> but you're allowed to. Because as we've talked about time and time again on Dave's show, the thing about the First Amendment is it's designed to protect speech that others don't like. We don't need to protect greeting cards. We don't need to protect nursery rhymes. We need to protect the speech that at least someone doesn't like. Who's protesting the speech that everybody likes? Nobody. But the speech that some people don't like, that needs to be protected, particularly from overreach by the government. And this cop pulls someone over and gives the person a ticket, and then the person flips him the bird, and he gives him another ticket. And so the court says, "Uh uh-uh. That person's allowed to flip you the bird. And by the way, and by the way, as I said earlier, grow a pair of whatever you've got a pair of and suck it up. So some driver angry at you for for giving him a ticket, flips you the bird, and then you give him a bigger ticket? Another ticket? Suck it up. (laughs) You already gave him a ticket. And this is the point. We have government overreach. Now, I'm not saying that's routine. For the most part, I think cops do a good job. I'm not anti-cop like so many on the left are. 
Uh, I think cops do a good job. This cop overreacted, and the court properly ruled. Government can't overreach. Can't smack you in the face for having flipped them the bird. And we talked about before the last break, government shouldn't be telling you one thing. Oh, yeah, I was ready to take that patient. And say internally, I don't want to take that patient. Government needs to be kept in check. Government health care is provided with your tax dollars. If you go to a private institution, that's private. But government health care, that's tax dollars going to pay that. So we need oversight. Now, the First Amendment gives us protection. And this guy, after a long battle, I suspect, won. And I hope we have better oversight in our government health care provided here in Arkansas when they're asking for more money to upgrade the status of UAMS and their cancer institute. I hope we have a little bit more oversight going on over there. Because I'm not happy. I'm not content. I'm not pleased. And This was a real hardship. So, the bottom line is that the government works for us. And when a government actor tells you otherwise, maybe it's time to reevaluate what's going on. Let's go to break. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave. Chris, we were talking about the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act. Uh, We were talking about the First Amendment. We were talking about the responsibilities of government health care. I want to tie up this conversation with an article from the paper the other day. I'm going to read from it and then I'm going to comment. It says, UAMS's Winthrop Rockefeller Cancer Institute hopes to obtain National Cancer Institute recognition. There's been a bipartisan push in the General Assembly to push for this recognition. Uh, Public health advocates say that bringing such a facility to Arkansas would expand cancer treatment options. Uh, But several advocacy organizations have publicly opposed the bill because they see several provisions as handouts to the tobacco industry. Uh, Dismang, Senator uh, Dismang, told the senators that HB, or maybe it's representative, um, HB 1565 would increase general revenue by about $10 million a year and $5.4 million would go to the National Cancer, excuse me, National Center Institute Designation Trust Fund at UAMS. HB 1565 would dedicate receipts from the sales and special privilege taxes, excuse me, special privilege taxes on medical marijuana, which is soon to go on sale, increase the required business markup on cigarettes from 7.5% to 9.5%, raise the tax on packs of about 32 cigarette papers by 50 cents to 75 cents, and eliminate the current border zone tax rate for cigarettes. Chris, I'm no fan of cigarettes. I don't smoke. I've never been a regular smoker. I've never, I've never been a smoker. Um, I, I think that smoking is a, is a terrible habit for the smoker. It also is not great for those that happen to be around the smoker to the extent that they're downwind from the smoke. But I'm also against having a nanny state. And I don't understand why we get to make smokers the whipping boys of 
the state to pay for these things. So some people, well, well you see, Rob, uh, smoking causes cancer, uh, and therefore we've got more medical expenses, and, and we need to raise the taxes on smokers, uh, and, and even better if we uh, dedicate it to their uh, cancer treatment centers. Uh, guess what? That's wrong. This is Smokers, overall, as a group, die more quickly and less expensively than if you're a non-smoker. Why? Because cancer from smoking overall kills you quickly and relatively cheaply in contrast to the opposite. That's an interesting fact. Yeah. So Maybe it's an addiction tax. Well, it, but that's the point. It's an, it, people are addicted to smoking. Yeah. They, so they now, mind you, I do think I do believe they have a choice, but it's a difficult choice. It's sort of like the language that you might remember from the Bible in Exodus, where God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh. Uh, but nonetheless, Pharaoh had the free choice as to resist the wrongdoing that he was imposing on the soon-to-be Jewish people, the Israelites. And the same thing with smokers. They have a choice. It's a difficult choice. But I don't see why the state gets to punish them, beat them up, when there's no additional cost. Why do they have to pay an additional tax? Why should they be paying for this? If they, if the state wants to get a cancer institute, then raise the money. Do whatever you want. But why are we putting... And the answer, by the way, is because it's an easy tax to impose. And so... I'm not looking to beat up on smokers, even though I don't like smoking. I don't like the tobacco industry. I don't like uh, to be around people when they're smoking. I don't want to smell any of that cigarette smoke, suck up any of that cigarette smoke. I don't find it pleasant. I find it caustic. Uh, I think those who decide to smoke are making bad decisions for themselves. But guess what? It's their decisions. That's right. And they're entitled to make bad decisions the same way I'm entitled to make bad decisions. The same way every American, every Arkansan is entitled to make those decisions that they're free to make. But the government doesn't want you to smoke, maybe. Maybe the government yeah. has your best interest oh, as hard. Yeah. They want they want to limit your size of sugary drinks. That's right. They want to tax the smokers. That's right. Remember what Ronald Reagan said, be, be, be afraid when the government says, we're here to help. Right. We're here to help. We're here to help take money out of your pocket. We're here to help socialize medicine. We're here to help to tell you how to do the things you want to do. We're here to help to tell you not to carry guns. We're here to help to tell you you can't flip the bird. We're here to help <laughs> to tell you that you're not allowed to speak your mind. We're here to help, Chris. They tax the sugary drinks, too. Aren't some states taxing well, sugary drinks? In New York City, yeah, under okay. Mayor Bloomberg, yeah. uh, a purported Republican. Actually, he's now finally switched to the party that he's always belonged in, the Democratic Party. Uh, he wanted to tax the big sugary drinks. I don't drink those either, by the way. I don't think they're good either, by the way. The government has your best interest there at is. heart. There it is. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're looking out for you. Or is it right? Wait, what? Huh? Huh? Maybe they should take the taxes they already have and spend them better. Spend them more efficiently. Wait. Let's look at where all the spending goes before you raise any taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Down the toilet. Yeah. Down the toilet. 
<sighs> I think I think we need to move. Zach, Zach, we need to move on, don't we? Because because my Zach's got my infrared blood pressure monitor on his screen, and he sees it's going through the roof. Am I right about that, Zach? It's crazy. <laughs> well, let's move on. You know, I've talked about many times on this show. I'm Jewish. There aren't a lot of Jews in Arkansas, by the way. There's a you know small population, but um, it's not a huge percentage at all. Jews in America are not a big percentage to begin with. I think they're something like 3%, something like that. It's a very small percentage. And I suspect, I don't know the numbers, I suspect Arkansas probably has below that average, uh, although I'm not entirely sure. But it's a very small number. So I like to discuss on the radio, when I can, uh, what it's like to be Jewish because I've found that Christians are genuinely and and generally both, I mean that, interested. And I've had very positive reception from very warm Christians who ask me about my religion. They're interested in it. They're, they're genuinely and generally interested in it. You're right. You're telling the truth. Yeah. And that's it's a real compliment. I, I, I really... I felt welcome in this state. And I bring that up to say this narrative that this country is anti-Semitic, it's racist, it's nonsense. It's utter and sheer. Now, have I personally seen and suffered from anti-Semitism? Yes. Do I know other folks who've suffered from racism? Yes. But does that mean that we're a racist state or a racist country? No. No, it doesn't. That, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? Of course you're going to have these outliers. And so we, we hear from the left, well, Trump's a racist. No, he's not. Trump's an anti-Semite. Trump's an anti-Semite. Think about this one, Chris. Trump's daughter converted to Judaism. Trump's son-in-law is a religious, observant, what we call orthodox, meaning very religious Jew. And he took the two of them and put them in the White House to be his significant advisors. Right. Do you think if he was an anti-Semite, he would take the two of them and put them in as his significant... significant and by the way, and he not took the a, only did Jews he, uh, that he's had. Correct me if I'm wrong, he took a, a politically... Um, um, you know, Harry, it was politically Harry to go and establish the embassy. That's right. I mean, he moved, he did what every president prior to him, Democrat and Republican, promised to move the Israeli, excuse me, the U.S. embassy in Israel to, from Tel Aviv, which to, is a random city, not right. a city, but random city, to the capital of the country, Jerusalem. And boom, he did it. He did it. He did it. Why? Because just like everybody. Was this other, controversial? Yeah, it may have been controversial, huh? But did you hear what the lefty said? Yeah. The lefty said, but we didn't get anything from it. Didn't get it. Wait, for doing the right thing? Tell me, when you go home and you give your you feed your kids food or you buy your wife a gift, <laughs> do you say, What am I getting? Right. What am I getting? You do it because it's the, the right, right thing, thing to, to do. do. <laughs> That's why you do it. That's what do right. we get from them? You mean the only democracy in the Middle East? The, 
You mean our best friend, not only in the Middle East, but throughout most of the world? Maybe the, maybe the, the country that is our best friend in this whole world? Maybe. England maybe as well? You know, I don't know. Which one, England or, or Israel? They're both real good friends. Australia's pretty good friends, by the way, with the U.S. as well. So one, one of the top five best friends? What did you get for it? When you go it's to out. your friend's birthday and you bring yeah. them a gift, do you say, here's, here's a gift. What do I get? <laughs> what do I get? No, you don't. It's distractions, these, these accusations. The distractions. It's, 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 you know, this is, the, this is the move of the left. Right. You say something and their response is racist, anti-Semite, misogynist, ist, blah, blah, blah. And so Trump moves the embassy to its rightful place, the capital of the state of Israel. And Jared Kushner gave a wonderful opening remark. Very nice remarks, yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Wait, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law is Jewish? Yes. Wait, he sent them over there? Yeah. Wait, I'm confused, Chris. I'm confused. I thought you said Trump was an anti-Semite. Yeah. I'm confused. You just got to look at the facts, the actions. Don't let the facts get in the way of the leftist narrative, Chris. Maybe he's truly anti-Semite and he's disguising it. Oh, let me tell you, that guy's a good actor then because he's disguising it real well. Real well. Yeah, he's failed. I, yeah, I should be so good. <laughs> I should be that good of an actor. They would be calling me out to Hollywood today. Yeah. I'd be getting the Academy Award. And so now what's the next move that Trump does? The Golan Heights is the name of an area in Israel. If it, Israel basically looks like your pinky finger. By the way, think about the whole Middle East. The whole Middle East is bigger than your whole hand on a map. And Israel is smaller than half of your pinky finger. I just want to point out that disparity. But Israel is a long, thin country. Basically, it looks like part of your pinky finger. <clears throat> At the very top, it's a small area. As the name suggests, the Golan Heights. It's higher up. It's, it's, it's on a mountaintop. It overlooks the Sea of Galilee. You know, the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked across the water where he gave fish to those who were starving. Right. A lot of miracles. Performed miracles. It overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And of course, it's, it's strategic. It's a mountaintop. So whoever controls it gets to shoot down in either direction. So as in many of the wars in which Israel was attacked, Israel wound up gaining ground. And it took over this land. And it had annexed it formally in 1981. And 40 years later, the U.S. government, through Donald Trump's pronouncement, recognizes that proper annexation. You know, there seems to be this notion amongst the left that if you get attacked and you wind up surviving and you able you are able to actually gain some ground oh well it's a, it's a do over call a mulligan all that goes back no sir if wait you a were, minute uh, and, let me back up we didn't mean to attack you oh, we didn't mean that. Oh, just kidding can we just have that kidding. can we have that back do over do over i call do over <laughs> i had my fingers crossed sorry not real 
this is common sense, folks. These facts are fascinating. The, right, are they facts? They're facts. Well, not according to the left. Right. But, but because the left doesn't recognize facts. These are the facts. And so what does is, what is the press say? Well, you know, if, if Trump recognizes Israel's proper takeover after being victorious in a defensive war against attackers, well, what's to stop the Russians from saying, you see, we annexed Crimea and therefore it's ours? Well, I don't know. Truth? Facts? <laughs> justice? Because Crimea didn't attack Russia. Russia attacked Crimea. So that's one distinction. Primary right. distinction. Exactly. If you're the aggressor and take land, well, then you're not justified in taking it. But this is, you see, when the, when the left is so value-free, they can't recognize the difference. It's bad if a drug dealer comes to your house and kills you. It's not bad when the state takes that drug dealer and kills him. They're both killing one good, one bad. Is that complicated? That's Is not that too hard to figure out. You know that the Ten Commandments do not say thou shalt not kill. It does not. What does it say? Thou shalt not murder. First of all, I've read it in the original Hebrew, thank you. In the very Hebrew much. text. I've read it in the Hebrew text. And second of all, there's all sorts of death penalties in the Bible. Literally. So if the Bible says, thou shall not kill, how can they have the death penalty, which is quite clearly killing? Not murder, but killing. But this is the problem with the left. They, they don't understand the difference between justified and unjustified. They don't have a moral compass. So it's all value relative. Well, but your, your view of justified is different than the other guy. I get it. I get it. Yeah, that's right. And ultimately, the West won over, the, beat the Nazis. The Nazis thought they were doing the right thing, and the West thought they were doing the right thing, and the West won. Could the Nazis have won? Yeah, that's right. I don't know what to tell you. But are we allowed to say we were right and they were wrong? Yep. <laughs> and guess what? We took over their land. Yep. <laughs> Think about that as we go to break. This is Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We are talking about the president's recognition of Israel's 40-year-old annexation of the Golan Heights, the area that oversees the Sea of Galilee in which Jesus walked, on which I should say, right? That's right. You know, what's interesting about this, Chris, uh, is it's yet another example of Trump recognizing reality. It's really a highly non-controversial position. It's what's been in place for 40 years. It's the only thing that makes any sense whatsoever. Unless, of course, you're like the left that is seeking to destroy Israel. We've seen more and more of this. We're going to move on to a topic that talks about that in a moment. But it's, it's, it's really such a simple proposition. I heard today on CNN an interviewer was talking to a reporter. One of a CNN reporter in Israel, and the interviewer says, "Well, isn't Trump doing this to boost Netanyahu's uh, re-election? That's the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, uh, Benjamin uh, Bibi is his nickname, Netanyahu, 
to uh, boost his reelection uh, uh, possibility, which is taking place in a couple of weeks. And the reporter in Israel, absolutely, absolutely. What? What, what are you, a mind reader? Now, uh, now, you could say, maybe, although I thought you were a reporter, not a political commentator, but in any event. That's maybe. a good distinction. Are you reporting the yeah. news? Right. Are, are you reporting the news? Are you being a commentator? Exactly. Exactly. And the, and the guy from Israel reporting, quote unquote. Right. Absolutely. That's the reason. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? How about it's a good idea? Maybe. I'm not saying no. Maybe. <clears throat> They didn't report on the fact, by the way, that when the president was asked that, he said, no, that's not the reason I'm doing it. Now, again, does that mean it's dispositive? No, but you kind of want to present both sides of the story, don't you? No. CNN? <laughs> CNN? Really? Really? So, <clears throat> you know, CNN has worse ratings now than MSNBC. Did They're, not know that. Yeah, yeah. So, that's just nonsense. I mean, it's nonsense to have uh, uh, that as reporting. You can you know, have that as commentary. You can have that as conjecture. The press has not given Trump the credit he deserves. You know, he, he tried to pull money, federal money, away from sanctuary cities. That's right. And he lost, but yep. they said he couldn't. But he, but these cities were violating the law. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Trump, Trump deserves credit Absolutely. for his actions. Absolutely. And this is, you know, this is a rather simple proposition. We need to recognize the realities in the Middle East. The first reality is Israel is by far our best friend in the Middle East. Sorry! Sorry, Saudi Arabia, who went out and killed a a news reporter. We have some alliances with you, but you know what? That's kind of a big deal. Sorry, every other non-democratic nation in that area, including Iraq, by the way. They're still not democratic. Let's not kid ourselves. Right. So... We know who our friends are and who our friends aren't um, and who's in between. Israel is the best friend of the United States. This is Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave today. We are in the last hour of our show, Chris. Good afternoon, Rob. Thank you, my friend. Uh, This is Drive Time, folks, uh, who are just tuning in now. We've been talking about President Trump's recognition of Israel's 40-year-old annexation of an area called the Golan Heights, which overlooks the Sea of Galilee uh, on which Jesus walked. This raises a broader issue, Chris, and that is the leftward movement of the Democratic Party and the patent anti-Semitism that has come up. You heard uh, Rep. Representative Elar Oman make entirely anti-Semitic comments. Now, I am not one, as we talked about earlier, I'm not one to jump and say, oh, well, that's an anti-Semitic comment. But she has said that rich Jews are paying to buy off politicians to support the state of Israel and that Jews have a dual loyalty. They can't be loyal to the United States directly. Now, if that ain't anti-Semitism, I don't know what is. Outrageous. And you know what Nancy Pelosi's response was? Well, she doesn't understand what those words mean. Oh, my gosh. What? 
What does that mean? She, she gave her a pass. She gave her a pass. Because the left lets the left pass on racism and anti-Semitism. But the left accuses the right of being racists and anti-Semites simply when they open their mouths. That's a difference. These comments from this Minnesota rep, Elon Omar, are anti-Semitic. Yeah, they could do something. They could censure her. They could censure her. They, they could. Nancy Pelosi could take Elon Omar off of the choice committee assignments that she had. Yes. She gave her choice committees. She's Shut a freshman no. elected. Freshman. And she gets a choice committee assignments. With whack comments. I mean, they're yeah. whack. Yeah, exactly. But you know why? Because the left keeps going further and further out on that leftist limb. That's the problem here. Oh, she made anti-Semitic, she made anti-Semitic comments since Nancy Pelosi, but she didn't understand the words that she was saying. That's her defense. Maybe, Rob, we should let the 2 to 3% of the fringe, on the fringe of society, control the majority. That's Is called that- the Democratic Party. <laughs> That's a Democratic Party right there. That's what you're talking about. They're trying to outlift each other. That's what they're doing. So the ninety percent of us have to suffer, and or or no, take for granted, or let it give these three percent a pass. Exactly. You know, people have asked me for years, Rob. We know you're Jewish. You talk about it all the time. Why are Jews overwhelmingly Democrats? Now there's some historical basis. The Democrats let were more receptive to the Jews than the Republicans were. But we're talking seventy years ago. <clears throat> Now, the Democratic Party is not pro-Jewish, and the Democratic Party is not pro-Israel. Those were anti-Semitic comments that came from the Democrats, not the Republicans. Obama was not a supporter of Israel. He acted, you know, talk about the Russian meddling in elections. Obama actively meddled in Israeli elections, campaigning against Netanyahu. He sure did. Why? Because Netanyahu is the conservative. He's the Republican equivalent in Israel. And Obama actively worked against that. Obama was no friend of Israel. He constantly pushed Israel to say, we want to cut you up into little pieces and distribute your land to the people that have been attacking you for 70 years And even though every time you've tried this in the past, you've been attacked again, trust us this time, just like you trusted us the last time and the time before. You know how many wars Israel has been in? 1948, when the UN declared two states, two states, a state of Israel and a state of Palestine. Well, that wasn't good for all of the Arab countries and the Arabs living in their own country, Palestine. They all attacked Israel. They lost. 1953, Egypt closes off the Suez Canal, which is an international transport place, to Israeli ships. Act of war. Next war. 67, Israel is attacked. 73, Israel is attacked. Wow. Is that one of the seven-day wars, six-day wars? Six-day wars is 67. 73 was a long war because 
the then Prime Minister, um, uh, Golda Meir, who has been historically praised and wasn't a great Prime Minister, folks, uh, neglected all the evidence that Israel was going to be attacked. And they were attacked on the holiest day in the Jewish religion. Uh, and it's and it's a holy day that's a day of repentance, meaning it's not a happy day. You have to fast. So during a day of fast, the Arab countries attacked Israel. And that was about six months. It was a very difficult war. Israel came, excuse me, the U.S. came uh, to the America, the U.S. came to Israel's defense by providing weaponry uh, to the and Israelis. The, and they're still under attack, Rob. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not up to my... I'm not done. Yeah. I'm not done. <laughs> it keeps going. Yeah. Tunnels, missiles. Yeah, tunnels. Uh, Israel unilaterally gave up the land in the part of the of Israel that the Palestinians claim to be theirs, called the Gaza Strip. And what are they doing over there? They unilaterally moved out. Moved out. Right. They just shot rockets. First, yeah. Just shot. By the way, first time. Nope. Second time, no. Third time, no. Can, should I keep going? Fourth time, no. Just shot rockets. They got tunnels. They and they, this has been demonstrated. If they spent the money on that they spend on rockets and tunnels and terrorism, they could feed their people. Right. They could feed their people. But it's just ongoing and ongoing terrorism. And the left keeps allying themselves with these terrorist movements. I th- truly, th- to me, Rob, this is anti-American. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. the Democratic Party, are they anti-American? I don't know. I mean... I don't know. The, the thing is that, that Obama made it clear. His policy was kind of this universal policy. There's no American exceptionalism. There's no America is the best there's no he represents he's not hired to be America's representative. He's representing the world. And you know, we gotta give up some stuff for the world. We gotta give them hmm. some of the stuff that we've earned. Hmm. Well and Trump came in and said, I'm like your lawyer. I'm hired to represent you. Not the <laughs> other guy. Not the other side. <laughs> I'm not gonna make their argument I'm for them. I'm not gonna make their argument for them. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so we go back to the question that I started with after the break. Why are Jews overwhelmingly Democrats, or at least vote Democratic? And I said, much of the answer is historic. There was racism in the Republican Party. The Democrats were more receptive. The Democrats also had this kind of more open tent philosophy. That's called history. That's over with. The Democratic Party is demonstrating anti-Jewish, that meaning anti-Semitic attitudes, through their representatives such as Elon Omar, who's made directly anti-Semitic comments. Apparently, the other one, I forget her name now, uh, I'll have to look it up. Uh, she is a Palestinian American. She brought a Palestinian flag when she was being sworn in to Congress. Wait, no, you, she didn't. I wait, heard wait, what? wait, what? I haven't heard this. Wait, what? So this is, you know, this is really... The Democratic Party thinks this is acceptable behavior. That's exactly right. Mm. That's exactly right. And then when Elon Omar made this anti-Semitic, these anti-Semitic comments, 
the the Democrats are going to put out a statement that they voted on, a resolution, saying anti-Semitism is bad. And guess what? They watered it down. Yeah. Oh, anti-Semitism they is didn't bad. Take a vote. They didn't take a vote on that. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. They, they took a vote. Wait. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> then it became anti-Semitism bad, anti-Muslim is bad, anti-Christian is bad, everything is bad. What? So where's the anti-Semitism part? Wait, you got to get a microscope and a pair of tweezers like you're uh, working on that game operation and dig out that <laughs> bone to find it without hitting the sides and getting electrocuted. <laughs> because they buried it. Because they buried it. Because they can't stand up and say anti-Semitism is bad. They can't just stand up and say anti-Semitism is bad. Is it really that tough? Do you really have to bury that statement? But this is the thing. The left more and more has become an anti-Israel party. That's not good. Now, anti-Israel isn't always anti-Semitism. Let me be clear about that point, and I've said it here before in the radio. But what we've seen from the left is both anti-Israel and anti-Semitism. The conservatives are the friends of Israel, and the conservatives are the friends of Jews. Now, conservative Christians don't have to and don't subscribe to Jewish religion. They subscribe to part of it, right? They they build upon it through the New Testament. Right. So they certainly adopt the Old Testament. And they build upon it. And they they welcome Jews and they say, Look, okay, you know, we, 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 we have parted ways and we hope you join us. Okay. Great, nothing wrong with that. And they recognize the biblical role of Israel as the place, as the biblical homeland of Jews. And they recognize the modern Israel as the modern homeland for Jews. That doesn't mean all Jews need to live in Israel. I'm Jewish. I don't live in Israel. More Jews <laughs> live outside of Israel quite a bit more than do live in Israel. But they recognize it. And the left, well, how can how can Israel be a Jewish state? That's apartheid. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Germany, you know, Germany is a Christian state. You know that the Muslim world almost entirely is made up of Muslim states. You know how many Jewish states there are in this world? One. <laughs> That's right. One. <laughs> and it's the size of your pinky. <laughs> And that's too much for the left. Wait a second. How can they do that? They say, well, Israel doesn't allow Arabs to be citizens. Nonsense. Israel has got Arab citizens and Arab legislators and Arab mayors. It's just nonsense. Muslim Arabs. Now, in the area that they have not annexed, the West Bank, and the Gaza Strip, well, they're not citizens because it's not part of Israel. They're, right? In other words, the left doesn't want that land to be annexed. You want them to be citizens? Then say okay to annexation. Now, I'm not suggesting annexation, by the way. I think that's a bad idea demographically. But the reason that land is not annexed is because of the left, not because of the right. Israel would be more than happy to recognize a Palestinian state, not, not everybody in Israel, but overwhelmingly, the citizens of Israel and the government of Israel would be more than happy to recognize a Palestinian state if they even had a modicum of belief 
an assurance that it wouldn't result in more attacks on Israel. That's the bottom line. That's, that's the bottom line. That's, you know, when, as I said earlier, when Israel was created by, as a state, two states were created. The state of Israel, the state of Palestine, created by the UN. Israel was created and recognized Palestine. Palestine was created and did not recognize the state of Israel. That's exactly right and a huge point. Is that complicated? Is that hard to fathom? Is that hard to understand? I want you to think about that while we go to break. This is Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We're talking about Israel's annexation of the Golan Heights, and we moved on to a discussion of how the left has become anti-Israel, and the left has not become a welcoming place for Jews. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. But with comments like those made by Elon Omar, representative uh, from, is it Minnesota? Minnesota. I don't know what to tell you. These are anti-Semitic comments. And Nancy Pelosi's response was, well, she must not understand what those words mean. What? Did she get kicked in the head? <laughs> Did she get kicked in the head by a Democratic mule? Is that what happened? What do you mean she doesn't understand those words? Maybe she needs to, to wake up. Maybe she ain't woke enough. Maybe that's a problem. She ain't woke enough. <laughs> It's really, it's really remarkable. The, de- the, the, the left has pursued a policy now during their attempts to win back the presidency with their, you know, 38 candidates already announced, 45 more to come tomorrow, of outdoing each other on the left. The more extreme they can get on the left, the better. Let's do away with immigration police. Let's do away with immigration. Let's do away with borders. Let's not have a fence because everybody knows that fences don't work like the fence around Nancy Pelosi's house. Why Why does she have a fence if it doesn't work? What is that fence for? What is it stopping? Wind? Air? Sun? That's right. Fences don't work. This is the attack of the left on logic. They don't use math. They change the word, the meanings of words. And they don't use logic. This is what's going on. Israel has always been one of the top three or five best friends of the United States. And we have and should reciprocate. And we do. Trump, at the same time, demonstrate, demonstrated that when he makes a campaign promise, he follows through. He said he's going to move the embassy. He moved the embassy. That's right. He did it. He did it. Plain and simple. Now he recognizes. But he did it for a reason, though, didn't he? Yeah. What was that right. reason? Oh, to protect, to, to enhance uh, Netanyahu's uh, reelection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why. By the way, I don't care. I don't care. Do the right thing for the wrong reason. 
hey, Arkansas legislature on a tangent, do the right thing on guns for any reason that you can come up with. Just do it. I don't care why Trump did it. Is it right? Yep. Then I'm okay. That's right. Then I'm okay. You think when you go into the store or the restaurant or wherever you go and you hand money over to them, that they they give you that service out of the kindness of, you, of their heart? You think they do it because they want to be nice, because they want to be friends? I'm not saying they're evil. I'm not saying they're unfriendly. Why do they do it? Because it's in their best interest to do so. That's why. That's why. Stop worrying about the motivations and start looking at the actions. What's the right thing to do? Here's my proclamation. Do the right thing. That's it. This is Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. I, uh, most of you have already seen or heard that Mueller has submitted his report to the Attorney General. We are now done with the Mueller investigation. What's interesting about this, Chris, is none of the Trump children have been indicted. None of the Americans that have been indicted were indicted with uh, for conspiring to steal Hillary's emails. Mm-hmm. Were indicted for conspiring to to break into the Democratic um, server, and none of the Americans were indicted for uh, conspiring with Russians to tamper with the election. No indictments on Russian collusion. Exactly. It's over with. Exactly. And those folks that who who were indicted. Uh, they, various folks, and they've done some various acts. So, of course, the big ones that we think of, we think of Cohen, and he was indicted for lying and for the activities regarding uh, Stormy Daniels, the so-called porn star. Why is it, by the way, Chris, every uh, actress or actor in a porn movie is a porn star? <laughs> what, is, what about a porn actor? Is everybody a star? That's funny. They're I don't all, know. They're all porn stars for some reason. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I guess the lower the quality, the more e- the easier it is <clears throat> to be a star. None of that has anything to do with Russian collusion. Um, Manafort, who I was never a fan of, by the way, but put that aside. Manafort was not indicted for Russian collusion. Now, by the way, Manafort worked for these really uh, unseemly folks. Uh, who had uh, essentially taken over the Ukraine with Russian help. Um, so he's got some real bad connections, and he's done some real bad things. So I'm no fan of his. But Russian collusion by the um, by the Trump folks? No. Well, this, I think it all started with this Trump yeah. dossier, right? Yeah. That was... I don't know if that's when it started. There seems I heard on the news today the claim mm-hmm. that it didn't start with that, but that certainly oh, was a part okay. of it. Um, and, you know, that does raise the question when Trump found out recently that apparently that dossier was turned over by um, John McCain to the FBI. Uh, Trump uh, made statements about um, McCain. I happen to have been a fan of McCain's uh, and remain, remain so. I don't I haven't changed that opinion. 
But uh, and it's not clear in what context that was turned over to the FBI. In other words, if he just got this and said, "Listen, I don't know what this is. You guys take it." That's one thing. If he turned it over in, in a way to to undermine Trump because he thought there was some political advantage to that, that would be a different thing. I have no idea what was going on, uh, but you can be a fan or not a fan of McCain either way, and that doesn't make you a bad person. But the liberal, oh my gosh, McCain has passed away and Trump criticized him. Well, um, uh, you know, yeah, that's right. That's what happened. That's what happened. So the every reaction by the press regarding Trump seems to be face melting. All their faces are always melting every time Trump does anything. You know, it's like that scene from Indiana Jones. From, face melting right yeah, on. Yeah, they open up the Ark of the Covenant, the Nazis do, and they look in, and their faces melt. You know, and Indiana says <laughs> That's to, a great analogy. Right? And Indiana says to the, the woman that he's with, I forget her the character's name, I don't look! It. Yeah. Don't look! Your face is going to melt! He doesn't say that part, but, they, right. but the, all the Nazis' faces melt. I love Indiana Jones reference. Oh, that's, some, that's some good movies. That's some good movie stuff right there, right by the on. way. Dave usually does movie stuff on Friday. Yeah. There's my movie reference for all you Dave listeners. Sorry, I haven't given you more of it. So they're watching. Uh, the, the, the left is, is a bunch of face melters. And yet, what do we see here? We see the Mueller. Because the Mueller investigation was going to be their savior, right? That's like it. the art. That's, That's the it. analogy. That's it. And they look at the art. That's it. God sent down Mueller, <laughs> and in it he put two tablets made of sapphire written on both sides. Russian collusion. Russian collusion. Now their faces are melting. Now their faces are melting. That's right. That's exactly right. That's a good analogy. So... You know, we'll see what comes of it. We'll see what the report has to say. We'll see if the report is critical of uh, the president. Right, right. We'll see the facts. Uh, we'll yeah. see the facts. But we'll see. Oh, wait. Facts? Well, we're going to see wait, the facts. <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Well, you heard, you know, the, the, the Dems already, starting a couple of weeks back, started saying, well, you know, even if the Mueller, Mueller report doesn't say, well, we've got to, wait, what? You were oh, all over the they're Mueller already report. discounting. Yeah. And then it started to look like, wait a second. You weren't getting the indictments that you wanted. The Trump boys weren't indicted. All the people, uh, Carter Page wasn't indicted. What the heck's going on? So the left is transparent in their desire to take down the president. They're better than transparent. They're quite acknowledging. Oh, we'll bring down the president any way we can. That's our goal. All right. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Can you say... Re-election? Right. <laughs> Re-election? That's what... All right. But I don't... Listen, I'm the last guy to give the left advice. here Because my advice would be, keep doing what you're doing. That's going to get the president re-elected, which is my choice. I much prefer President Trump to be re-elected than any of the Democratic candidates announced or unannounced. <laughs> I guarantee it right now. So, this is really what's remarkable. You know, uh, um, we see on the news, on Fox News, quite often has had Alan Dershowitz. He's a liberal. You know what he says when he goes on Fox News? I'm a liberal! And he says, so far, we haven't seen anything that implicates the president. That's what he says. 
Does he do that because he supports the president? No! He says almost every time on the show, I voted for Hillary! But he hasn't abandoned his principles for mere politics. And the Dems have abandoned their principles for mere politics. It's that simple. It's this notion reflected in a term that's a little idiosyncratic called role morality. My colleague Josh Silverstein taught me this. When you see a bureaucrat decide to take away your rights, be it an elected bureaucrat or an unelected bureaucrat, and somehow infringe on your rights, and you say, but wait a second, you either ran for office or you applied for this position, and you were all about freedom, you were all about individual rights, you were all about respecting the public, and now you're doing the opposite. And why? Because when these bureau hacks take their positions, their morality changes given the role in which they sit. Transparency, that's inconvenient. I'm against transparency. Wait, but you campaigned on transparency. That's what I campaigned on. You know, it's an old joke about that famous uh, Louisiana politician. Uh, what's it? Is it Huey Long? I forget the name now. That sounds be. right. Right? All right. As far as I know. And someone, his chief of staff comes running into the office and they're banging on the door. <laughs> they're banging on the door. <laughs> so the, the, the elected officials said, well, what do, what do they want? He said, you promised them this and you haven't given it to them. And, and, and the politician says, oh, oh, go out and tell them I lied. That's all. <laughs> Just go tell them I lied. I wish these hacks at minimum would at least admit the fact that they lied. But they don't. They want your vote. They want your support. They tell you they're conservative. They tell you, tell you they're pro-transparency. They tell you that they're pro-constituency. And then time and time again, they're not. That's why we haven't passed a guns bill in the Arkansas legislature right now. That's why Womack's bill couldn't get a vote in committee. Yet. Because bureau hacks are running around in Arkansas and in the United States in general. And it's a problem. Remember, we talked about, for those of you just tuning in in the, in the last hour of the drive time, Chris, Chris, Chris and I were talking about the new political assessment tool that we're going to use. Yes. You recall this political assessment tool? It's called the Steinbuck test. <laughs> Did you vote right on guns? Thumbs up. Did you vote wrong on guns? Get out. That's it. That's it. You can't promise one thing and do another. Really? Right. Really? Guess what? That's exactly what they do. Yeah. That's exactly what they do. They promise one thing and they do another. I'm just tired of it. I've heard politicians, well, you know, that bill can't pass because you ain't voting for it. (laughs) Get up. And vote for it, and that bill will pass. I'm tired of these politicians who see their job as getting elected instead of seeing their job as serving the people. 
I remember once I was working for the federal government. I worked in various positions. I got a call. I worked in an internal office, meaning it wasn't the type of office in which members of the public would come up to and say, oh, I need this. Can you help me with that? It was, you know, I served someone who served someone who reported to somebody else. And somehow I got this phone call to my direct line. I pick up the phone and this woman on the other end says, you know, I'm not sure if I got the right number. I've got this problem. Um, and I was wondering if you can help me out. She describes this problem. And I said, no, ma'am, you haven't gotten the right office. However, and I could have ended it there, right? If I was your typical bureau hack, I would have said, nope, wrong number. Wrong number. But here's the thing. A member of the public doesn't have a wrong number when it calls a government employee because that government employee works for that member of the public. So it's not a wrong number. It just might not be the source of the information that they're looking for. And so I said, ma'am, no, I'm not the person that provides that information or that access or whatever it may be. But let me tell you who I think it is. Let me give you that person's phone number. And here's what you do. You call that person. And if that person is not the right person, and if that person doesn't tell you who to call, you call me back. And here's my direct number just in case you were connected by the switchboard. I like that. That's it. Because I wasn't a bureau hack. Because I worked to serve the people. But these bureau hacks look upon the constituency as a burden. Much like some doctors that we've talked about look on patients as a burden. That's what I'm talking about. It's time for these elected officials and these unelected bureau hacks to start to be responsible to the public. I don't work for you. I don't work for the bureau hacks. I don't work for the elected officials. They work for me. That's right. And it's about time they start to recognize that. You know, it's like, I I remember in New York State, they they have a really, at least at the time, a really overburdened court system. And I saw these judges running for position in the court system. And they'd run for position. Once they got elected, they would say, oh, we're overburdened. We can't do it. I need to quit unless you give more resources. Wait, you just ran for that position. (laughs) If it's so terrible, quit. If it's so terrible, don't run. Now, I'm not saying that a judge who takes an elected position can't say, well, I think we need some more resources here or we can reallocate resources. But it's remarkable how quickly after those elected judges got put in position, They were saying, oh, well, this job can't be done. Don't do it then. Here's an idea. Don't do it. There's somebody else who'll do it just fine. Thank you very much. Did you run unopposed? I doubt it. (laughs) Go give it to your opponent. But Bureau Hacks don't see it that way. They don't see it that way. And so this role morality that I was referencing earlier is reflective of how when government officials take office too often, they view it as their office. I can't tell you, Chris, how many times, and you've heard this as an attorney who's litigated Freedom of Information Act cases. By the way, Chris was an attorney who actually defended, because he'll 
he'll do both sides. Meaning, if he's if he's hired, he represents his client diligently. He was hired by a, a government official who was criminally prosecuted for violating the FOIA. That doesn't happen enough, frankly. And Chris got him off. Chris and his colleague. That's correct. Yeah. And so the point is, Chris knows the Freedom of Information Act inside and out and from both sides, from prosecuting and defending. Chris, we're going to talk more about the Freedom of Information Act after we come back from this break. This is Rob Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We've only got a handful of minutes left, Chris, uh, in our ongoing discussion about all things happening in Arkansas and all things happening in the United States today. And I guess maybe we should come back to what we've been talking about both throughout the the day and throughout this last hour. And that is, those are the activities of the Arkansas legislature. Because while we've talked about a lot of big issues, a lot of national issues, a lot of international issues, philosophical issues, we need to come back to what affects the everyday lives of good Arkansans. And that's what's going on in the legislature right now. We've, we've discussed how this is the most conservative legislature in the country. I've said that numerous times down at the Capitol, and I've had Republicans say to me, on paper, on that's paper, on paper, on paper, and I pushed back. And you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I am not seeing the conservative activities that we were promised. The legislature has been conservative on life issues. The the legislature has done some good work on free speech. We talked about the Dave Ellswick free speech bill uh, being that representation. It's not enough. They could do more. We brought uh, Senator Hammer brought some very good bills before both state agencies and judiciary didn't get a second on them. Not happy about that. We tried to advance the Freedom of Information Act by ensuring that these foundations that exist throughout the state are transparent. These are quasi-governmental bodies hiding under the veil of claiming to be a private organization and withholding public records. And so Senator Hammer brought forth a good bill on that. I helped him draft it. I will tell you readily and happily. I'm an advocate for the Freedom of Information Act. It didn't move forward. In fact, the newspaper, the Dem Gaz, which I'm a big supporter of, and I, and I communicate all the time with their reporters. They call me all the time. They um, they didn't support the bill. They said, well, we think we can get these records from these foundations under existing law. I agree. And here's my response to my friends at the Democrat Gazette. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Make that FOIA request today of these foundations. And in three days, when you don't get the records, sue. <laughs> sue. You've got a great attorney. You've got a great series of attorneys. One of them is John Tull. He knows his stuff when it comes to the Freedom of Information Act. I can tell you that. Write him a check. 
and sue. Chris, I can't tell you how many times I've heard these government pure hacks use the following line. Well, you know, if we respond to all the FOIA requests we have, we won't have time to do our job. Do your job? That is your job. You know how it's your job? Because the state legislature and the governor that signed that law said so. That's right. Well, you know, Chris, it's not fair. Those in the private sector, they don't have to... They don't have to do this. Hey, hey, Chris, when you're hustling for clients as an attorney, do you get a paycheck in the mail every every week guaranteed by the state of Arkansas? That's right. No. No, sir. No, sir. You got to hustle for business. And even when you get it, sometimes those checks don't cash. <laughs> right. Have you ever gotten a bad check? I have. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You think... When the government bureau hacks have their di- direct deposit checks go into their bank accounts, th- that those checks don't cash? Is that what you think? Oh, they cash just fine. That green shows up every day. I'd be curious to know if there's any office in the government other than the uh, other than Tim Griffin's office that has shrunk in size. His has. He that's right. It. You're absolutely that's right. right. That's right. Lieutenant Governor said, I don't need all this staff. I don't need all this money. I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm going to show you how the citizens of Arkansas can save their money, their tax dollars. What a novel idea. What a crazy idea. <laughs> that's what we need. In representation. And guess what? Hey, if you don't finish that four request today, yeah. you can finish it tomorrow. Yeah, you can finish it tomorrow. Yeah. Or the next or day. Or the next day. <laughs> and on that lingering note, I want to thank Dave for having me fill in for him. And I will see you all back on Monday. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.